93.3 WMMR Audio On Demand presents the Preston and Steve Show podcast. We're going to get our next guest on the line. He is a good friend and he's a good man for coming on this morning. This last minute interview that uh, Casey scheduled yesterday. Yeah. Um, but uh, Fire World is now streaming on Netflix. It's really good. Uh, and he's been all over the world. Yeah. Uh, trying different uh, styles and cultures and meeting those people and finding out who they are and what they do and why they do what they do. And uh, he's a wonderful actor. We love him. Please welcome to the show this morning, Frank Grillo. Yeah. Hey. Oh, guys. How you doing? Good, buddy. How are you, man? I'm good, man. What, did somebody drop out so you needed a <laughs> No, we made special room for you this late in the day because we appreciate the time shift. So I know it sucks getting up, but you, you get up fairly early, right? Oh, no, yeah. I've, I've been in the gym since 6 o'clock. So there I you go. If only, it, if only it showed, Frank, that you hit the gym a lot. I mean, <laughs> you're, you're in impossibly good shape. We hate your guts, but we also love you. So, uh, Hey, the, the show is awesome, by the way, and I know it's, it's a passion project uh, of yours. I was a fan of your show, uh, Kingdom, and that, you know, that, that obviously dealt with the fighting world as well. But this is, the, this is around the world examining fighters. Um, and and the the culture and and the the um, yeah. the legend it's it, it's it's much deeper than than people might suspect. It's really yeah. sort of inspiring. It, it, oh, and I, I appreciate that. I really do. And it and it, it kind of um, you know the genesis is is Anthony Bourdain. Uh, rest his soul. I uh, I was a, a huge, continue to be a huge, you know Bourdain fan. And and uh, the more I traveled. And the more I was training in different gyms and kind of created these friendships and these brotherhoods, if you would, um, I, I, I just got inspired to kind of this idea instead of food culture, let's let's explore fight culture around the world. And, you know, it turned into something much more than a passion project for me. It just it, it changed my DNA. It did. You can you can tell that you are, um, you know, that, that you you are in these different areas and you are connecting with these people. It, it's almost there's a common language. Uh, with people who engage in this and and wherever you go you seem to tap into it instantly it's 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 weird and and it is that's the through line of what i found just training and and, and being in fight gyms my basically my most of my life and how how beautiful all these people are and how aside from the actual fighting in the ring everything else is a community that is based in trust and 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 there's no prejudice, you know. I I was in gyms in Israel with Palestinians and Christians and Jews, and nobody cared about all the stuff that the United Nations can't seem to figure out. Mm, yeah, these guys go into they go into gyms, and all the shit that everybody's worried. Oops, all it's the okay. Stuff that Sorry, got worried it. about. Uh, you know, they they it goes away. It goes away. It transcends all of it. Well, and fighters aren't brutal. They're not. They're they're poets. They, they really are. Well, there's you know there's competition obviously, and there's there's technique and learning these things and 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 trying to uh, perfect that t- technique. But I think step number one, and what I see from you, Frank, is uh, respect for each other when you're stepping in to yeah. learn or to compete. Either one, you know. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's it's respect. It's respect because you each know what it takes mentally, physically, spiritually, philosophically to do that, to get into a ring or a cage or on a mat. And then when you're done, you pick each other up and you walk off together. You know, that's why the thing with Khabib and McGregor was so unfortunate. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's atypical. It's atypical of what happens after a fight. Well, somebody says that one of the fighters that you speak with, he you know, says the object is not to beat someone else, but to beat 
yourself to to challenge yourself right. and that there, there's right. a shared experience it is it is eye-opening and the anthony bourdain thing is an interesting connection because he himself is a martial artist and and right. and, and really yeah yeah and i had a fantasy that uh, because he's a jiu-jitsu guy and i've you know been involved in jiu-jitsu a long time and and uh, i had the fantasy that maybe i'd get him to come with me uh, like we would go and do something together and unfortunately uh he passed away but but uh, yeah but he is the genesis of, of the whole thing so the, there's the, the selections are interesting mexico city thailand myanmar senegal israel yeah. for 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 krav maga you're getting a sampling of, of all these different things and each brings sort of a um you know, for for some, uh, for, for example, the uh, uh, Senegalese uh, wrestlers, there's such a yeah. there's such a, a sense of of pride and and and, um, and accomplishment. It's 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 you know, they're, they're, it's it's a fascinating thing. Were were you um, who am, so as you're sampling all these different fighting styles, and you yourself, you're a sponge. You, you clearly see you you know picking up things and so on and so forth. What caught you from out of left field that you were just you were going into? Okay, we're gonna check this out, but then when you win the experience, you had no idea it was as impactful as, as it was going to be. I, You know, I got to tell you, I think the Krav Maga, uh, because I'm so used to, like, uh, you know, in Beverly Hills Krav Maga, it's, you know, housewives go and try to learn to defend themselves. <laughs> right. And, it's, and it's, it's, listen, it's cool, it's interesting, and it's, everybody should learn, you know, self-defense. But when I went there, and I was with these Special Forces guys, who... Krav Maga is a real thing yeah. that, you know, they, they get, they're in tunnels in the Gaza Strip fighting hand-to-hand. And when I learned how deadly and how fast and how brutal it, it is, uh, it, was, it was frightening. Absolutely. I, I'm never really afraid. I was afraid. Really? It, it was. Yeah, it was, it's scary. It was you know, funny because the first time no. you were in here, you, you, you sort of impressed and, uh, you know, took Krav Maga and you, you sort of... We, well, jokingly, yeah, jokingly, yeah, it was Frank, fun. Yeah, because I, I I trained for six years. I earned a black belt in it. But but Frankie go, oh, that's kind of that uh, that's that workout thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, right. And I was like, no, not really. He's like, whoa, man, easy. Yeah. It was it was really funny actually. But um, yeah, I've had my uh, my trainer and, and owner of a gym out here, Ernie, has traveled to Israel many times and trained with the military there. And yes, it is a it's a way of life for those guys. Oh, it's amazing. And they're amazing people. You know, they're surrounded by 25 or so hostile nations. Yep. And, uh, you know, you don't understand until you're there what it is to be Israeli. I mean, yep. it, you know, and I asked, I think it's, it's in the show, I asked the mayor of Jerusalem to define Israeli people in one word, and he said, fight. It's wow. it, so, it, it, it's, so it's so cool. I, I have to ask you, because a lot of times the, the fight cultures are born out of perhaps there's a connection to religion or there's a connection to necessity, as with the Krav Maga. And, and, and you know, right. do, do you did you did you see a clear line of delineation? What what makes them different? What makes them similar? Um, as far as all of the styles that I that I right hear, right right, I, you know, they're all similar in the sense that. Uh, they all are born out of necessity. They're all, they're all, you know, they, these guys all started to fight for a specific reason, mostly to get themselves out of an impoverished situation. Yeah. Um, and, and I think the Israelis are different in the sense that, you know, it's, it's, they're, they're protecting their lives. Yeah. So, but all the other ones, and I was in Brazil too, unfortunately Brazil didn't get on the air yet, but all of the other ones, it's, it's all of these places, the favelas, you know, in Senegal, you saw how, how impoverished it was. In Thailand, obviously, Myanmar, really struggling financially. All these people, all these kids, all these women, they're fighting to get 
make money for their families to get themselves out of that situation. So it it is a clear through line. It means yeah. everything. Yeah, and in fact, uh, I was watching it last night. I watched the first episode, which you're, you're, it's set in uh, in Mexico City. Me- and it's yeah. about and it's about boxing and I mean in in that sport it's it's fists only right yeah. um, you know yeah. rather than you know being able to you know take anybody to the ground or use your, your feet or whatever uh, I actually I, I really enjoy the episode but I enjoyed watching you in that episode because you were you were like a little kid uh, in, in, in a, in a <laughs> yeah. candy store I, it, it, you really looked like you were enjoying yourself down there yeah I was you know I didn't I, I didn't realize how how affected I was going to be. And I going to the Mexico, standing in that stadium with Julio Cesar Chavez, one of my, you know, God, boxing heroes. Unbelievable. Yeah, Nacho Barrett. It was, it was, I was so humbled. I felt so small. And yet I, 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 I didn't let that get in the way of how excited I was. So, so it was, it was, it was an honor to be around the kid fighting in Thailand or Myanmar or Julio Cesar Chavez. It was all an honor for me because they're all doing basically the same thing. Julio Cesar Chavez at one time was that kid fighting out of the jungle. Like yeah. it was the same thing, well, you know? It's so. it's wild because I follow you on Instagram and I was watching the, the path as you were going on it to all these locations as this was being filmed. And you could see, you know, you, there was a, 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 a metaphysical sort of thing that was taking place with you as you're experiencing all these cultures so you you got this show which again congratulations it's awesome thank you you have um boss level with uh joe yeah. carnahan uh, yeah mel gibson yeah when is when is that coming out that'll probably be a summer movie for the uh for next summer probably an august film it's a, it's a it's a really fun action movie with me mel and naomi watts how cool! Um, how cool is that to be with to be with Mel Gibson, to be with Naomi, to be with these people? Does that blow your yeah. freaking mind? Yeah, I mean, you know, listen, it's uh, it, because I produced the movie too, and it's yeah. a big movie. And uh, but the first day I'm on set with Mel, I mean, come on, it's Mel, you know, it's it's, it's the road warrior. Yeah, and, and uh, we since have become friends. And I went out to dinner with him and his wife the other night, and and uh, when I leave, I I still say to myself. <laughs> Son of a gun! That's no. Yeah, no how could you not? It, it, it's it's yeah. it's very cool. And Joe Carnahan is 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 great. He's is he's got to be one of your one of your best friends at this point. He's my partner. He's my business partner. So yeah. we produce. We have a company called War Party. This is our, the boss level is our fourth film in two years that we'll have produced and and uh, created and then. Fight World obviously is a War Party production as well. So yeah, he's I'm with him all day. <laughs> hey uh, Frank, did you talk to uh, Mel at all about uh, the jujitsu that was uh, used in um, Lethal Weapon? In Lethal yeah. Weapon, that was the first time yeah, you know, that that had ever been used on film before. That's Hegan Machado. He still trains with him. Really he still trains with him. In fact, we put Hegan uh, in in Boss Love. He's got a small role, but uh, yeah, he Mel still still rolls around at that's 63 cool. years old. Yeah, and Michelle Yeoh is in the is in the boss level as well, correct? Who Michelle Yeoh? Yeah, oh yeah, legend. Yeah, Le- how did I forget her? Yeah, yeah, yeah. legend. Yeah, legend. Uh, unbelievable. Yeah. It's it's so yeah. cool. Yeah. So I, I it, with all your travels, not just with the, with Fight World, but uh, you know, you know, for let's just say the last twenty years of your life. Uh, you know, in, in fact, uh, in the episode last night, you needed a, an interpreter to, you know, talk back and forth with these boxers and these right. trainers in Mexico. And I would imagine you needed uh, um, uh, these interpreters all over the world. But the yeah. fight is an international language, is it not? That's right. Fight and love. Right? Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty wild. Yeah, that would have been you uncomfortable can, with those you, guys. 
<laughs> you know, meet a woman and not know how to speak the language, but you know what you're saying to each other. It's the same thing. It's funny. So you have a yeah. whole bunch of stuff coming out. Obviously, you know, Wheelmen, which we uh, you were on before, uh, uh, and and love that. You have a whole bunch of things in the works. You also have Point Blank, a remake you're making of that that French uh, film. We, we, yeah, that was, it was me and uh, Anthony Mackie and Marshall Gay Harden for Netflix. Yeah, we just finished that. And how I have a movie cool? Called Donnie Brook. How cool! Out. Uh, how cool is it to be back uh, to be uh, back with Anthony Mackie again? Oh, it was fun, and it was, this one's a true two-hander. It's him and I. Uh, it's a real, it's a real great thriller, action thriller, and it's him and I throughout the whole film. So we get to banter a lot, and just uh, we had a lot of fun. It's so cool because when you first came in here, and you were you were sort of like with the, the purge and everything, and, and stuff was just starting to churn, and then it's it's just it's just been on a conveyor belt. But it, it, I mean, it couldn't happen to a nicer guy because your your heart's always been in it. It's just it's fantastic to see this uh, happening. Thank you, brother. And by the way, Donnie Brook is uh, premiering in the Philly Film Festival. It'll oh, be, wow. Yeah, wow, wow. It'll be playing here in town, yeah. which is really cool. Yeah, we were in Toronto. We just won a festival in, in Austin, Texas. It's a really dark, it's a little bit polarizing. It's really dark and unapologetic, and I play pure evil. Okay. <laughs> That's okay. You've been doing that. Yeah, that'll work. Let me suggest something yeah. to you. I'll float this out, and you can take with it what you will. There was a great movie years ago that I think you would be perfect for for a remake. Charles Bronson film called Hard Times. Do you remember this movie? I love. Do I remember? We're, we were trying to get the movie. Joe and I, Joe Carney and I were trying to get really trying to get the rights to it. Not kidding you. Yeah. Yeah. It's a guy. Yeah. Bare, bare knuckle. Bare knuckle. Uh, street fighting around the you know the the early yeah, uh, yeah you know during the depression. Great movie. James yep. Coburn. Yeah. Yep. Well, all the all the all the men, all the men of Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, I apologize because I know you're mid workout right now. Uh, and just a couple of weeks ago, there was this thing that was uh, making its way all over the internet uh, about uh, Mark Wahlberg's um, workout and, and dining schedule. And he was getting up at like two in the morning and doing this crazy workout. I don't know if you saw that or not. And and I if did, you did, did, what 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 are your thoughts on that? Um, he's a I, pussy. I know Mark. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I listen. I it, it, as far as I know, Mark goes to bed at like seven thirty eight o'clock does. at night, yeah. and he does. And he lives this uh, very specific lifestyle. The guy is a uh, talk about a machine. I mean, he is uh, one of the smartest guys in this business. And uh, yeah, he's a, he's a know, great guy. We, we've had, we've had him is. on the show a couple of times. And he, yeah, he's he's the real deal. He's you know he's he you, you guys are of a, of a yeah. kind. Yeah, he's he's but he's uh, he's a special dude. I mean, he really. He took he took an opportunity that he got a long time ago, and he ran with it. And uh, he's a powerhouse. Man. Let me ask you this, uh, because when I see something like that, it it makes me sick to my stomach. Uh, you know, to, to to see somebody live a life like that because it is so out of the norm for me, and it seems like he is torturing himself. And and I would imagine that the way you live your life is is very similar, very strict diet, and 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 I'm the opposite of that. And believe me, I'm not looking down my nose at all. I, I'm, I actually look at it um, with admiration, with admiration, and and a, and, a, and a touch of jealousy because I don't feel like I have that in me. And I don't know if you feel the the same way. Like some people are just built that way, and some people are not. Yeah, I've always been. I've always been like super super disciplined when it comes to certain things. And then other things, um, you know, listen, don't kid yourself. Mark has had a great life where he didn't go to bed at 8 o'clock in the morning. But now he's <laughs> yeah. a grown man. Yep. He's a grown man with a big business and a bunch of kids. And so he's, but, but he's always been disciplined when he, when he, uh, when he wanted to. Uh, you know, I, I remember a long time ago. And that's how I've been. I've been, you know, I, if I need to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning and come and train, it's not a problem. I do it. You know, I don't, I eat the way I eat because it's, it's just the way I eat. Yep. And, uh, you know, I live my, I live my life. Very disciplined. 
again, in some aspects. And there are parts where I go, why can't I get this under control? I'm so disciplined. <laughs> Tough, yeah. yeah. Well, everyone's like that, you, you know, and that we, we yeah. tend to forget that, that everyone has their things. But so what's what's yeah. the word on 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 uh, on, on fight world? Uh, I assume Netflix is happy with it. Are, are we? Um, is this, I don't know. Is... You know, I, I, I'm, I'm one of those guys who like I'm not. You know, it, it, I kind of leave it up to the to the movie gods. I, yeah. I, I think people have been responding really even more positively than I had imagined, which I'm very grateful for. Yeah. But, uh, you know, if, if I get the call from Netflix that, that we're going to go and do another season, that's great. If not, I think it stands alone as a piece that is really interesting, you know? Something, so, yeah. yeah, something to be very proud of. It, it, it really, really wonderful, and, and we're thrilled for you. Yep. I, I appreciate it. You guys have always been great. I really appreciate it. Well, we'll always support you, man. You're a good person. It's streaming now on Netflix, and it is called Fight World, and uh, Frank is the man. So, dude, thanks for checking in. Go back with thanks, your sweat guys. and go always. do your thing, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, brother? Thanks, guys. All right, okay, Frank Grillo. Yeah. And like I said, that movie Donnybrook is going to be here in Philadelphia, uh, and it is part of the Philadelphia Film Society Festival. Uh, so you can get be a part of that. We actually have details on PrestonSteve.com where to get your tickets and all that good stuff. Awesome. Uh, he's great. He, he is. is. He's just great. a good dude. He is a good dude. I, when we took our last vacation, I list I listened to uh, the last occasion that we had him in the studio, and it was such a great interview. And I couldn't stop. And I I, I lived at Dottie. Yeah. But I couldn't stop listening to it. It was so. Yeah. Uh, it was such a, a great conversation. This 93.3 WMMR Audio On Demand program returns after a brief word from our sponsors. Hey, it's Preston. Listen, I'd like to thank Jack Frost Mountain for sponsoring today's podcast. We are headed back to Jack Frost on Friday, March 1st for our 13th annual Preston and Steve Cardboard Classic. Go to WMMR.com to score lift tickets for just 20 bucks and for details on how to register your sled to compete for cash and prizes. From WMMR and JFBB, where the snow comes first. French Creek Outfitters in Phoenixville has everything you need for the great outdoors and beyond. All the big name brands, they have them. Visit FrenchCreekOutfitters.com for additional info. French Creek Outfitters, why take a chance with anybody else? Taking time for yourself isn't selfish, it's self-care. Schedule a massage or facial at your local Hand & Stone Massage and Facial Spa with a relaxing massage or refreshing facial for just $59.95 for first-time guests. Visit one of their 50 area locations or handandstone.com. Scoot up Valentine's Day? Diamonds will get you out of the doghouse. Make it up to her with Stevens Angel Heart Diamond Necklace for only $128. Online at IHateStevenSinger.com or at the other corner of 8th and Walnut, Stevens Singer Jewelers. One place, one price. This is the Preston and Steve Show podcast. Even if you don't know our next guest, you know our next guest. Uh, he wrote the Oscars for 23 years. He's a guy behind a lot of stuff that you've heard and seen over the years. Legendary. No. Six-time Emmy Award winner. Uh, his birthday is in three what? days. And he's excited yeah. about that, I'm sure. And his <laughs> show... A Sign of the Times is premiering at the Delaware Theater Company. Please welcome Mr. Bruce Filet. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank to you the so show. Nice. The original Pit Ham. The original <laughs> Pit Ham right here in our studio. Yeah, I, I didn't even mention the Hollywood Squares, of course, where you spent a number of years. I did, six years. Yeah. To the left of Whoopi, if that's possible. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. Point. These days, it'd be very difficult <laughs> to get to the left. Of you know, Bruce, I have to say, a lot of times we meet people and I'm like, I hope they are the way we want them to be. 
And this is a compliment. You are Bruce Valanche, and Michael. it's awesome. Thank you. Yes, very cool. Because so, I'm frequently mistaken for Michael Moore. <laughs> oh, <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, they oh kind no, of, no, Like no. he would wear red glasses. Yes, he doesn't have and, any fashion sense. And I've never had a baseball hat on in my life, you know. <laughs> yeah. Even when I played baseball. Well, Michael wore. Moore. Well, there you I go. I know, I get that. I yeah. that. And Amy Schumer. I get her. <laughs> <laughs> hey, just because she's pregnant, I'm yeah, okay. <laughs> And you're wearing a classic uh, T-shirt. <laughs> one of your classic T-shirts. I'm wearing <laughs> Bruce uh, Valanche, yes. Oh, it's, but it's... It's, uh, it, it tells a story, so you have yeah. to really kind of see. It's different kinds of asses. <laughs> Jack, oh kick, God. dumb. Badass. Bad and smart. smart. Yes. You know, it's, I like uh, it. It's, hey, about the red glasses, how many yeah. sets do you have at, uh, at we, home, on the go? Yeah. When I was on Squares, I had different glasses for every show. Yeah. Okay. So I had hundreds of pairs of glasses. And uh, Maybe you assume and, you had a sponsor of sorts? Or no, something. that was the problem. You were picking up just, the cost? I was doing it. And when the prescription changed, yeah. I realized I had to take a second mortgage. To, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I settled on red because Sally Jesse Raphael, who was the red glasses queen, right. had retired. And so I thought, okay, I've got this market open. And okay. So now it's just, so I have a few, you know, just a few okay. backups. But gotcha. uh, and I I keep looking for exotic red glass frames. Well, we're, we're we're thrilled you're here because it's a sign of the times. Uh, is your musical? It is, and uh, I think the idea of being able to see a, a musical, you know, on its way to Broadway is an awesome thing. It's almost like seeing a director's cut of something, that's you know. True. And, yeah. and you're you're getting you're getting all of that stuff that goes into making theater wonderful. Mm-hmm. And uh, so just let us uh, let us in on what the uh, the whole uh, concept well, behind the sign of the times is. It's uh, it's actually it's it's a musical about a girl in Columbus, Ohio, in 1965, who right. goes to New York and walks into the world of Mad Men, and she, of course, is uh, objectified and you know taken advantage of, and has all these adventures. And by the end of the show, she's become one of the early feminists. So it, basically, it's about a woman finding herself. And when we started doing it, we had no idea that Me Too was actually going to happen. Right. And when Me Too happened, we suddenly realized, oh my God, we're relevant. <laughs> Holy, it's allowed for a musical. Can you be relevant? Yeah. However. The music is all from uh, Petula Clark from ni- oh, the mid '60s, and awesome. it's all the Petula's catalog. She didn't write it, but it's uh, it's all of her stuff, and so it's all familiar music. So uh, I ask people to think, Mamma Mia. Please think Mamma Mia. <laughs> Don't think Mamma Mia 2 necessarily. Right, right. Mamma Mia 1. You I got gotcha. you. Because it's it's all songs that you know in a story that's brand new. Well, you when you started you your your desire, I reading about you and about your, your early days, you wanted to basically be Neil Simon. You wanted to, you yeah, know. Yeah, I did. I, well, yeah, I wanted to be uh, Zero Mostel. I wanted to be, you know, one of those, Jackie right. Gleason, with the, the fat comic. Because <laughs> yeah, I was a fat kid and I thought, this is funny. I could be this, like the sidekick of the, of the, the girl or whatever, and and that was that. And I was a child actor. For, Were you I in was, fact a model for? Lane I was Bryan? A, mo- a model for Lane Bryant. I was a charming chub. A charming. They chub. had a, a chub. Well, Lane Bryant, you know, specializes in in uh, large women, uh, right? And uh, there apparently were not enough of them, <laughs> so they went into a large child line. <laughs> okay. And I was the, uh, one of the poster child, the large child. Uh, the, you could not get oh away God. with that classification these no, days. No, stylish stout. That was yeah, the other one. Stylish stout. Yeah, you graduated. Then I became a husky. Yes. You know, which is neither man nor boy <laughs> it's just you're in that nether world right. where nothing fits you true yeah so uh i was a child model and i was a child actor but i was never a child star or we'd be having this conversation in rehab <laughs> <laughs> so i, I kind of moved into writing and i began that as a career and i've never stopped performing in fact i'm performing i while i'm here plugging saturday night in Peddler's Village. Oh, oh, 
it's at awesome. the, the Cock and Bull. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Of course. Of course. Shows. I have some acquaintance, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will be at the Cock and Bull on Saturday night, 8.30 yeah. at, in Peddler's Village, telling stories and, and doing uh, my one-man extravaganza, which is about all the stuff I've done in show business. No which, which is voluminous. So you, you, it is voluminous. You, yeah. so with, I mean, with, it's a ridiculous career. But it's but it's it's funny because <laughs> by, by in a circuitous way, you got to where you wanted to be. I know. Yeah. I, I figured that. Well, you know, that... That was how Woody Allen and Mel Brooks did it. Yeah, and so I thought, okay, I mean, I could see we could, you could just be a, you know, kind of a, a an annoying Jewish person like me and become a big actor. <laughs> well, that hasn't happened. I mean, I did hairspray for two years. I became a big actress, right? So. Which is a great, a great. So you know, any a musical, and, and as of late on TV, they've been presenting them. I think for I, a lot they do of, them live. Yeah, they do them live, and I think a lot of people have been turned on to. I love going to see musicals. I love going to see the one. My one issue with many of the, and we talked about this, Preston, is that the theaters that you go to see them in were constructed many of them like in the turn of last yeah, century, sure. and the seats were made for people of that time. That is true. And my knees are on someone else's head as you as you watch it. It's yeah. uncomfortable, but. Um, you know, when you when you go and see it, and you see an actual, they just Preston, mm-hmm. you just you over in we were over in London and yeah. saw a live theater. Yeah, I went. To There's see nothing the, like it. Yeah, the play that goes wrong and That's hysterical. It was I so much fun. It I, really is. I love going very, to live shows. Funny. I don't do it nearly enough. Uh, but uh, it's it's such a great experience, and it's got to yeah. be for the people on stage. It has to be. Oh, yeah. You know, you hear about people saying that theater is. Where they would even, you know, this is the real feeling. Right, right, right. I get that. I totally get that. When sure, it's it's live connected. and it's connecting with an actual real person up there, and it's on an intimate scale. So, I mean, even when it's big, it's still on a, on a more intimate scale than uh, than film or, or you know, or going to a hockey arena to, sure. to, to, for a concert. Hey, there, there's a different vibe. So you got started, you were working, I guess, were you writing for the Chicago Tribune? I was uh, writing for the Chicago Tribune. I met Bette Midler, who was starting out. She was on Broadway in Fiddler on the Roof. Playing one of the daughters. Are you kidding? No, yeah, she was at Cycle. This is this is before the. Uh, so she was still she was doing the the the, she, uh, the other stuff on the side, right? Right. Well, she uh, she would go to a little club, mm-hmm. uh, and and do stuff afterwards, and then she came to Chicago to do that act, and that was when I met her. Somebody told me I should go see her, and I wrote about her, and I uh, wrote a column, and she liked the column. She said you're funny. I said, well, you should talk more on stage, and she said, you got any lines? And that was the beginning. And that that you were off and running from the Paleozoic period. I no started kidding. writing, and then she went. And uh, uh, she couldn't get a gig, so she answered uh, an ad in one of the show business uh, magazines in New York for uh, to sing at a, at a gay bathhouse. Yes, a Turkish bath, and uh, and that was that kind of the legend was born. Well, she became kind of uh, a destination resort. Yeah, and when uh, Barry Manilow came into the picture, that was when Barry Barry yeah. was her piano. But Barry yeah. uh, came into the picture on the very first night at the Tubs, which was what we call the Baths at the Tubs, uh, when her uh, piano player came down with mono. Remember mono? Yeah. Yeah. Such a, <laughs> such a pleasant right. disease. You got it. You got it. Yeah, got yeah. cured. It wasn't. Right. But you know, he got mono. So um, <laughs> n- now you know everything's deadly. Right. right. And just, okay. It's mono. Don't kiss me. You won't get mono. <laughs> so he got mono, and uh, he uh, called Barry, who was a friend of his. And Barry came and subbed, and he had no idea. You know, he was just sitting playing at the piano and looking at her. And and there's a little video, and he's like, his mouth is just agape. But what's, yeah. you know what's going on? Well, and he signed on. He said afterwards, he said, "I'm going to be a music director. That's it. You're too good. I'm, I can't let go of you." People don't remember that that her show and that the presentation at that time was was just she was telling stories and she had the sass and the whole thing. And then yeah. it, so you you also worked in, uh, on Divine. I Madness. did all of the stuff. Yeah, I middlerized everything. Middlerized everything. Yeah. 
and so you're to this day. off and running. Writing, writing. You've written for so many other comedians, and mm. and you've uh, you became. Heck, there was a documentary called Get Bruce. That's right? true. Yeah, I know. produced by Harvey Weinstein. What? Who <laughs> never laid a hand on? <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> Screw me too. Why not me? That's my Why hashtag. Oh my! Really? I didn't even put that together, but yeah, I guess that's the case. Come on with the open bathrobe. I'm here. <laughs> I wanted to ask about about writing for the Oscars telecast. Are you the one that's responsible for these celebrities? They come up and and you know have to read a few lines. I, I do a lot of that. Yeah. Now with that, um, have you seen? Great lines have you written just destroyed by somebody who couldn't deliver it oh, properly. Yeah. Had to have, right? Yeah, it happens. It just all the happens. Time. It's, well, you know, most of these uh, movie stars are not used to being uh, working live. Right. I mean, the 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 the, the whole Warren baby Faye Dunaway thing. I mean, Warren has rarely done anything where he didn't do a second take. Right? Yeah, yeah. So he was stuck up there with that. But it's that the problem is they don't they don't really know who they are when they're on stage. They mm-hmm. haven't got. There's no Keanu Reeves persona. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, right, I mean, there's no Johnny Depp persona. <laughs> right. I mean, Johnny Depp hasn't played the palace as Johnny Depp. You know, it's like Billy Crystal knows who he is when he's on stage. And right. Whoopi knows who she is. And I used to say Shirley MacLaine knows who she is. And she knows who she was. So right. it's <laughs> much, much easier. Yeah. But um, so that's generally that's when those things happen. You try not to give them stuff that they can go down in flames with. It's, and, it's but, gotta... you know, sometimes they just they want to do that. They want to show you it. My my. Worst was when was Keanu actually because we tried to do a Bill and Ted thing. You know? Okay, I mean, and he's like, do you remember the joke that he I, botched? I don't. I, okay, you know, it's blocked from you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, analysts have built swimming pools on the money I've spent blocking this joke. <laughs> right. <laughs> so <laughs> I can imagine though, because you're, you're that is that, and, and as things have gotten over the years, and the ratings have, have steadily declined for for the Academy Awards, just because there's just a lot more on to watch, yeah. and people forget about it, and they they shift it around. But the focus of the planet was on, especially when you did, for, for example, the, uh, the 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 year that City Slickers won and Palance did the one on yeah. push up. You were riffing with with uh, Billy Crystal and creating yeah. all those lines that were coming up, and it was it was one of the high watermarks in in uh, yeah. in Oscars that's, telecast history. That's, well, that's we won an Emmy for that. Yeah, one. And then I, that just amazing. Was- that was why it's very meta to win an Emmy for an Oscar. <laughs> I've done it twice, and it gets more meta as you go along. It is weird when you'll see the, the director that. of the Oscars win an Emmy. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know, exactly, yeah. right, right. <laughs> it's, it's just a weird thing. Right. And then propose to his girlfriend. Right, right, right yeah. Exactly. Oh, that's right. <laughs> uh, but to, so, so over the years, writing, writing on that and the, the different encounters and the backstage stuff, how kinetic is it? How much is done on the fly? I assume that was a rarity where you, you know, had that opportunity. We we plan well after that ever since then we planned on things i mean you discover that the host is on pretty much uh, uh, once in every act of the show for right the, uh, and there are about 18 acts of the thing so maybe you'll you'll skip an act uh, but so you have to you see where where the host is in the show what's what they're following right right and so you have an idea if you put the host after a documentary and let's say Michael Moore is nominated. The odds are something will happen during that award presentation right. that the host can comment on, which is exactly what happened with Steve Martin that year when, when Michael won and, and uh, they began booing him because he did a, a, some Iraq joke or yeah. a, a reference to the war. And the stagehands began booing him. And uh, Steve came on. We were sitting in the wings. Sure. And we said, well, we have to do something with this. And so we all began throwing jokes. And it was a great group that year. Rita Rudner was one of the writers. Wow. And Dave Barry was one of the writers. And we were just shouting jokes at Steve. And so 
Michael Moore left the stage and there was a commercial and Steve came out after the commercial and said, so sweet backstage that the stagehands are helping Michael Moore into the trunk of his car. <laughs> <laughs> And that's got to be a. There's got to be. That's that's, uh, that's my my absolute yeah. favorite. That was that was not on the Oscar. Was on the Tony Award. Okay. Okay. And it was uh, because uh, CBS <laughs> carries the Tonys. They they want C, uh, CBS TV stars to be on. Right. So of course they. Uh, they said we had to have LL Cool J, <coughs> who you when you think Broadway, you think LL Cool J because he's on NCIS Los Angeles. Exactly yeah, yeah, right, yeah. big CBS star, right, yeah. and uh, he's hosted the Grammys. He's hosted Grammys sure. for years. So anyway, so we had LL Cool J, and so we put him with Carol Channing. Because we thought, who two? What two people would you want to see more yeah. than LL Cool J and Carol Channing? Brilliant. And uh, so uh, I thought, well, this will be funny. I'll give Carol a rap to yeah. do with LL Cool J. So. We wrote her a rap, and I told him, LL, and he thought it was a very funny idea. And she thought, oh, I think that's hysterical. And, <laughs> and then we got there, and of course, she said, well, you know, I haven't learned yet. <laughs> oh, no. But it's, it's in the prompter, isn't it? Oh, and I no. said, yes, yeah. well, I, I, I can't read the prompter without my I won't wear my glasses. And... Uh, <laughs> And, so, and she put on these glasses, and she had these gangster glasses. Right, yeah. Huge square frames with, like, a I, tint in them. Yeah. And, uh, and she was wearing what could go pass for bling. <laughs> and Ella said, well, just go out. You look great. Just go out. You, know, look right. like, you look like you're in my posse. And so the, the two of them went out there, and they did it together, and it was... Very funny. I mean, she really did it great. It was a huge thing. Hugh Jackman was the host that year. Yeah. And after, the, again, there was a commercial after the award, and then Hugh came out and he said, this just in, Carol Channing has been arrested in a drive-by shooting. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta love that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's, it's so cool. And you great. were actually, do you like, because I know music is, is you, you've you you've written lyrics, and do you, in fact, write music as well? I write, I write lyrics. Okay. I don't write music. I've so, written... in, in fact, when, when uh, Bette Midler, the, the second to the last uh, Carson Tonight Show, yeah. uh, you wrote that uh, well, song. Well, I wrote it with Mark Shaman, right? who's, you know, a, a composer, lyricist, who wrote Hairspray. And, uh, and we've been all, we've been a team for years with Bet. You Made Me Watch You was the name of the song? Or is it uh, we, you Made Me Watch You. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You Made Me Love You, turn it into You Made Me Watch You. That's, that's right. To be, to be a part of, and you've been a, a, a part of a number of pivotal, that's always mm -hmm. references one of the, 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 the great TV landmark moments. TV uh, moments. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. She won an Emmy for that, yeah. actually. She won. And, the, and what, what uh, a lot of people don't remember is that was the last, like the next to the last Carson show on Friday. And on Monday, Jay Leno took over the show and Billy Crystal was the guest. And Mark yes. and Billy wrote a parody of that. Yeah. Right, of right. the parody of the parody. I remember. You made me watch me, watch yes, you. I didn't right. want to do it. I, my I, agent I or my agent really blew that's it. Right. So it was hilarious. <laughs> I remember that vividly. And you wrote that. Yeah. That's great. Co-wrote it. Co -wrote Does it amaze you when you think about the way things have changed with the, the when something would happen like that, like the like that moment or the Palance moment at the Oscars or things that you were directly involved with, the vast numbers of people watching at once. We'll, we'll never have a time like that. Well, that's, yeah. that's part of the thrill of writing the Oscars. It's like playing in the Super Bowl. I mean, yeah. if you're going to play football, you want to be in the Super Bowl. And the Oscars is the Super Bowl of that kind of stuff. And it's live. And the bizarre thing about that show is people who don't go to the movies watch it. Yeah. yeah. People who don't watch television watch it. I mean, you have an audience, a large per percentage of whom have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> they, you know, when you say, when you're referencing the movies of the year, you right. say, Mahershala Ali, they have no idea who you're talking <laughs> right, about. Right, right. And, uh, 
so that's the challenge is to is to keep them entertained mm -hmm. along with the people in the theater who were of course so nervous you know i mean as as i've said before the uh what people forget is that there are, are uh, five five uh, nominees in each category and one person wins and and four of them don't yeah so and as the evening progresses the room fills up with losers <laughs> it's true and they're bitter <laughs> they're bitter yeah. and they're not paying attention yeah and, you know so you'll do a great joke and they're sitting there and they're wondering i gotta fire that <laughs> this i would have won if this guy come through for me. I'm now they can do it they can sit there and they can text people on their they phone can fire yeah. them as they're sitting there yeah. on yes. national television uh, Away. So it's uh, it's become that's an interesting dynamic. Of, yeah. yeah. So what that means is that that you're not going to get the full attention of the crowd. Sure, sure. Uh, if you're just jumping in, it's Bruce Valanche is our guest in the studio. Nick, you had a question. Yeah, Bruce, are you uh, not on social media? And if so, why not? I'm, I, I am. I'm on Facebook. Okay. Yeah. I, don't, I twat not. Yeah. <laughs> you don't twat. I, I don't twat. Yeah. I don't twat. I don't. Uh, I don't Instagram. <laughs> I don't take pictures. I don't do. No. It's. I'm not. I'm not that big a narcissist. It was a thrill to me to discover that after all these years. <laughs> but if I really was a narcissist, I probably wouldn't look like this. <laughs> it's just interesting. It's an interesting a comedian, point, though, yeah. A comedian who um, uh, is avoiding social media on a lot of levels, and it's a, yeah, I, I, I admire it a little I bit. I find it just, it, it, people get into, get into trouble on it, and yeah, I don't want to pick fights with strangers. I have family for that. Yeah. <laughs> and this is, you know, coming up Thanksgiving, the, the family fight oh, yeah. holiday of the year, you know, where everybody gets to... To to you know be mad at everybody else and blame it on the tryptophan. Yeah, no, it gets it gets amped up exponentially. But but uh, uh, let me ask you, with the cast that's involved in this production that people that people will see, is this the cast that will pour it over to Broadway? Well, hope, yeah. hopefully, if we go to Broadway after right. I mean, this is a, like a pilot production, we're going to see. How, it might get a little bit bigger for Broadway. How hard yeah. is that process at any given time? I know we, we talk about like uh, TV pilots and so on and so forth. Mm. Uh, now you you have a pedigree attached to your name, and that's yeah. you know that's something. <laughs> do, do do you will will that uh, you know is it likely it's, you'll end up on Broadway? Uh, it depends on the producer. Okay, it's an independent producer from Chicago, and with this production is the Del Delaware Theater Company production. Right. So we will see what happens with it. We did a, a lab production up in Connecticut at Good Speed, which is a, a theater lab that does uh, a lot of new musicals, and we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. You know, I mean, when when Delaware, we did a workshop in New York, and uh, Delaware expressed an interest in doing the show. And I was I thought, well, fabulous. Yeah. And Cheryl Crow had done a musical there. She did a musical of Diner, mm. the, the old Barry Levinson Love movie. Love that Barry movie. Levinson. Yeah. And I called Cheryl, and she said, oh, do it. They're great. It's a fabulous theater. The audiences are wonderful in Wilmington. And uh, it, you'll learn a lot about your show doing it. That's very cool. Now, Diner hasn't gone on yet. It will. Yeah. It will. And uh, hopefully so will we. But Our th it's, a, it's great that there's an audience... In Wilmington and in, you know, as I drove up here from Wilmington, so I got to see everything from, uh, you know, chicken farms to convents to, <laughs> yes. I mean, we took a very exotic route sure. through the back hills. There was a banjo player and a tree looking at me <laughs> lovingly. <laughs> and uh, so the audience from this net part of the woods is obviously really special and and they yeah. they show up they come to the theater, that's awesome so, I'm yeah. looking forward so to this that. uh this show takes place in around 1965 yeah uh, i was just i took an uber the other night and the guy that was driving we started talking and uh we were just talking he was talking about his past and he was uh he was drafted in the vietnam war and i know that this is part of this or at least it was in that era yeah uh so you were around you're you're turning yeah no big secret you're turning 70 in, in mm -hmm. a few days yeah. <laughs> uh were you ever uh you know uh thinking huh, i could be 
sent off if uh, if they call my Always. number. Always. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I was drafted. I had, Were you I, really? Yeah, my had, there was a lottery, and my number was 151, and they got to it, and we had to go down and take the physical and uh, and, and do all of that. And then, you know, we just we weren't called up. I mean, but I did, I, I did what was called checking the box. There was a box of questions, and it said, "Are you uh, uh, are you a practicing homosexual?" Yeah, and I I wrote over the thing. No, I've got it down. (laughs) 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 But the the shrink, the shrink said, "Well, this is funny. Is it a joke?" And I said, "No, no, it's real." And then then you know they have to ask you all these really ridiculous questions, right? Uh, Of that time, of that that you had to prove that you knew about. What, what gay sex was like. Oh, mm-hmm. in case you were trying to phone it in. Exactly for, yeah. right. And this was where they would, like, eliminate the straight guys who were pretending. Oh, I, I would love to hear that, Tess. Oh, wow. uh, yeah, yeah. We can't do it on this no, show. No, but, but, <laughs> I'm going to look that but up. Just, I, it wow. may be my next musical. That's got to be. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be amazing. So. <laughs> you know, it, it's like, it's when you you talk of a time when they, I think there's a documentary, I think it's called Atomic Cafe, and it yeah. it's, it's, it's of that time when when... Students were instructed to get under their desk during a nuclear war because that would protect yeah, them. Duck and cover. Yeah, duck yeah. and cover. Exactly. So these these, these things. So, but that's that's fascinating. Do you cover some of this archaic material a little bit in the? Uh, in not the show? well. But Vietnam certainly factors into it. One of our characters winds up going to Vietnam, but uh, uh, it is absolutely a part of it. Okay. And and she, uh, uh, our lead character, comes to New York and and. All of, becomes a part of all of this. Becomes a part of the protest movement, and there's a general fascination with that time. And like Mad mm-hmm. Men captured it. It's yeah. just because there's so many things happening at once. There was this massive confluence of things taking mm-hmm. place, and yet pop culture was exploding as well. And yeah, there was right. just it was, it was it's a right. cool time. It is. It is. Great. Yeah. And, and the music, this particular music, Petula stuff, and the stuff that we've gone chosen everything had to be from 65 and 66 right it's her music in particular was really theatrical i mean because that was after the british invasion the beatles and the stones and all that and before psychedelia came in yeah there was a period where every pop thing was done in a studio with a full orchestra right and you hear all these huge arrangements and the same kind of arrangements you would hear on broadway it was that phil there was a phil specter exactly right yeah the wall of sound that was the la thing and then in, in new york and in london it was you know 30 people, lots of horns. Yeah. You know, it was pre-synthesizer and all that. So everything was real. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's what the music is like in the show. That's cool. That's yeah. cool. So that's the, the 28th at the Delaware Theater Company. And you're showing Peddler's Village at the Cock and Bull. When is that? That is Saturday night. This, this Saturday, Saturday night. And is this uh, just uh, conversations of this, Bruce Falange? Like this, but more. I can I can do the entire uh, <laughs> a draft <Right>. story. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That alone. That, that alone, alone is worth, be worth the price, the price of admission. Yeah, but exactly. a lot of a lot of show business stuff and just yeah. fun. That's cool, man. Uh, and and does that show? Do you take that to different cities? Yeah, or? I do it okay. all over the place. I just, uh, uh, when I feel like it, you yeah. Know, I, and I do a lot of corporate gigs, which I love. Really? But, oh, yeah. Because they well, pay they, well. They pay very yes. well. You don't have to do any press. Which yes. Not, I'm enjoying this. <laughs> no, no. But right. I mean, you don't have to sell yourself. <laughs> yeah. you don't to, even more, you don't have to sell any tickets. They're there. Yeah. They have to be there. And I, I tend to be like the diversity entertainer. You know, like for for, for the, the the right. And they're always very to hip. show their forward thinking it's 
it's funny because yeah. I mean I, I I hear all about Silicon Valley and how tech is is just so you know uh, is so uh, insensitive and all that. But I mean, they're the, the tech companies are the first ones that reached out to me to come and perform because they wanted unusual people who. who Where have you played? They had me. I've done. Have all you done Google things. and Apple? Yeah, and, yeah, Google, Apple, and H. Cuba Packard a lot. And what's what's the Google? Were you on the actual Google facility? I was here at the campus. Yes, yeah, sort yeah. of um, Nirvana for uh, an office situation. It is, except yeah. there's a lot of glass, and I was walking around saying, "Man, if there's an explosion, we are Julian." <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's just big glass. Slice yeah. and dice. The pit ham will be sliced and diced. In fact, they were talking about it. There was a story about the people at the facility were walking into the walls constantly because they couldn't. Isn't that- they couldn't discern where the windows were. You know, I was. Yeah. This is apropos of nothing, but I was in Hong Kong. Yeah, and there is a street. Where every building, it's new, all glass towers, and it is uh, all built with feng shui. So they right. all face a certain way for the spirits and all that kind of stuff. What it also means is there's a certain time of day when the sun hits the glass <laughs> on every building and it blinds everybody. <laughs> and so they put up barricades. You cannot drive down that street really? because they were crashing into each other. Oh, my God. Because the sun, it, it created a critical <laughs> mass of light. I, that is a great, I love that I they did that. And I said, so yeah. where were the Feng Shui masters <laughs> yeah. that day? Right. When this plan was unleashed. Excuse me so much. That's hilarious. Oh my god, that <laughs> is wild. It's really great to meet you, Bruce. Thanks Thank for you. Coming you by too. Here this we appreciate it. I'm glad I did it. Excellent, Bruce Blanche, yeah. everyone. Yay. WMMR's live stream. Our daily programming available anytime, anywhere on your desktop, tablet, smartphone, or open the new MMR skill with Alexa. Great sound quality and the occasional bonus song. Nice. Apparently, there's a new trend. I saw this online, a story that popped up, and I was curious as to those who have participated in this. It's called drunk shopping. Drunk shopping. Yes, apparently that's a thing. And we're not talking about going to the convenience store for jerky. We're talking about, like, going around retail, going around, like, uh, the mall, right? Yeah, well, there's a new study by Finder.com that shows nearly half of American adults have admitted to making purchases while under the influence. I don't know how much of this is... Online purchasing because that, well, that probably, is a whole other level. Well, you know what? Actually, that makes more sense. You yeah. don't want to be driving around while you're lit up. But you can be at a, you know, say if you're a King of Prussia Mall yeah. and you go by the, uh, the 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 brewery, the microbrewery or a restaurant and have a couple cocktails and you're in the mall. Yeah. Let's We've go buy that. something. I did, buy something. Yeah. I did it two Christmases ago. Okay. I went uh, drunk shopping and uh, <laughs> I was at the store. I was at Target and I was, it, you know, I had, had gotten everything I needed, but there was apparently that day I needed to get more and I ended up buying a Ninja Turtle bike uh, that was like way too big for Jace. It, he, it sat in the garage for like two years and like he just fits it now. Wow. Okay. Well, you were just planning ahead. But I was like, oh my God, he loves it at the time. He's going to love this in two He's years. He's going to love this. I have to get it. What if they don't have it next year? Marissa? So, yeah. Kathy, I picked it up. Tar- it must be Target because they just opened one at 19th and Chestnut, which is great, except when you go to happy hour with your friends and you have to walk past Target on the way home and it's like, oh, let me just like go in and buy some grapes and some yogurt. And then you like end up in the home goods section. And it's like, yes, I need You're to redoing your bathroom. Yeah, gold-plated <laughs> stapler, yes. And then there's like boutiques next door and you just keep walking and walking and you end up with like eight bags of clothes. I wonder if they do anything to sort of a border collie you in there knowing that people are going to quite yeah. possibly walk past a little drunk I don't know. and play off that. Yeah. I would. Uh, but apparently Americans have spent an estimated $30.43 billion on these spontaneous <laughs> drunk purchases. I, well, you almost made one, Preston. 
Well, that was a, a bid. eBay, yeah. yeah. That was a bid. What that was that bid was again? drunk bidding. It was a book from Not almost. No, I did bid. You did. Bid. I just didn't win it. Oh. Thank God. I bid a thousand dollars on a on book. It. Mm-hmm. On a book. Paperback book? book. No, not a paperback oh, okay. book. It was, <laughs> yeah, but it was, just, it was Mad Libs. <laughs> no, it was a, it was it was a, a used Mad Libs book. <laughs> it was a book used. from when I was a kid by a uh, uh, an author called Pierre Probst, and and it was very dear to me. And uh, the book, the version that I had of it, is pretty beat up. I ended up getting it rebound and and read, which cost me several hundred dollars to be honest. But <laughs> but not a thousand. I tried to buy a br- you know. One that was in good condition on eBay for a thousand dollars. I was, dude. I was lit up that night. I remember. I, mean, I was. I wasn't just buzzed. I was pretty hammered. I think we were talking to you while you were in the process. I think we had a, a conference call. In fact, I'm, I'm almost. I'm willing to really? bet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I remember. Was, I'm trying to get this book on eBay. Yeah, it was the Golden Treasury of Caroline and her friends. Oh, yeah. I'm sure we've all. Well, most of us have been drunk on the conference call before. Sure. Sometime or another. Yeah. But the difference is, though, you're right, though. With one-click shopping on e- on uh, Amazon, Amazon, and now Walmart has really uh, reinforced their online shopping program. I was drunk on Sunday when we did it. <laughs> <laughs> Were you? Sure, yeah. Did you buy anything online afterwards? No, no, I didn't. I didn't shop. How do you like this bra? Yeah. I can easily see I... the the online shopping though. That that's easy. But actually getting yourself to the store and and being in the store that's probably well, it's a, a, it's a double-edged story. sword though because you got to. In the, in the proper scenario, you show up sober because you, or with you, if you're with other people, perhaps, and they're driving you, that's fine. I think, I almost think it's more enticing if you're walking, you see it, and you physically, I gotta have this. Gotta well, have listen, it. this has been uh, apparently within the past year or so, it's really increased. So it says Americans have spent an estimated $30.43 billion on these spontaneous drunk purchases, or about $447 per person. You compare this to last year. And people had only spent an average $206 on drunk purchases. So it's more than doubled well, let me, as far wow. as people, yeah, getting buzzed and, then, uh, and buying stuff. As a business model, then, why why don't we have, like, um, you know, first off, what tends to sell more during drunk purchases, do they mm, say? No. Okay, but what, if you could find out what that was and then have a store with a liquor license yeah. and, a like, a bar in the middle, you could awesome. clean up. Uh, let me go to a couple of calls here. I'm going to go to uh, Julie. Hi, Julie. Good morning. Morning, guys. How's it going? Good. Very good. So uh, have you bought something while drunk? Yes. I was on eBay uh, while I went to happy hour afterwards, and I woke up to a winning bid of a piece of the parachute from Apollo 13. <laughs> <laughs> a piece of the parachute from <laughs> Apollo 13. Were you prior to that a ravenous NASA fan? I am. Yeah. I, I okay. Love NASA. Program, but uh, so when I purchased it, I put my max bid of like two hundred dollars, thinking it, oh someone's going to outbid me for it, and I won. And it came in the mail, and it's probably the size of my thumbnail. Oh, oh my god! Of course. And and did, did, were they were they able to authenticate it, or are you yeah, sus- okay? Yeah, they no, did. There is, there is there is something, but I still don't really believe that you know. <laughs> that I know. Did, now was it framed or anything like that? Or uh, yeah, it's. it's yeah, it's, it's in like a, an encased thing. So it is pretty okay. cool, but the entire thing is probably the size of an index card. <laughs> it's just like a little a little piece of fabric at the bottom of a box. Right. There you yeah. go. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> $200. bucks. right. Thanks, Julie. I appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, yep. All right. Let me go next to uh, Sean. Hey, Sean. Good morning. Hey, Jersey Black Rocks. Jersey <laughs> Black Rocks. One of my favorites. Uh, Jersey yeah, Black Rocks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. What's up, Sean? <laughs> I'll, t- I'll tell my wife. Like, yeah, I got to go to the <coughs> army. 
and then I'll stop off and I'll have a couple pops, a couple shots of whiskey, yeah. and I go in there knowing what I'm going to do. So I'm like, all right, let me just get the small basket so I don't overload this. <laughs> and before you know it, I'm just getting Jack's cheese curls, lunch meat, <laughs> French bread pizzas, just like all this stuff like, so- I smoke, like a pound of hash or something. Yeah. And I'm with all this crap, and I didn't get any of the staples, nothing I needed. Oh, yeah. And then when I was younger... I was a sucker for coming home from the bars and watching those, like, three in the morning infomercials. And, and I'd be like, oh, my God, yeah, of course. I could use a waffle maker. Yeah, I bought ab lounges, like, those electronic <laughs> Sean, let me ask you, did you ever buy a Showtime rotisserie grill? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go. I would buy this all that. And I, I get it two days later. I'm like, oh, my God. I, I just, it was just sitting like, and, I, and I'd have the yard, I'd have the, the yard deal. I'm springing to all the junk. Would you it's buy awful. it? Would you buy it one, one flat out payment or would you do the flex pay? Oh no, I'll pull out that payment. I'm drunk and I got all the money in the world. Why not? <laughs> Just keep going. Uh, yeah, you're 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 the kind of customer they look for. You notice they never put drunk people on though when they're talking. Oh no. Yeah, yeah. Like those people in Bangladesh that I'm talking to are probably just their ass off. Like, look, we got another one on the hook. <laughs> this is a sports rotisserie grill this month. I love it. Yeah, yeah man. Sean, appreciate it, man. <laughs> Case, you were asking if this included, I think you were the one who asked if this included food shopping. Yeah. Uh, with this, so I guess Sean would be a perfect example of that. Listen, you don't, don't go to the grocery store. I've, I learned it early on. Don't. Go to the grocery store hungry. So that's the closest for me of, of being drunk. So if I go yeah. to the, if I go, and the the worst mm-hmm. is to go to BJ's or Costco when you're hungry. Yes. Because you'll buy a 50-gallon drum yeah, of, uh, of pretzels. <laughs> well, and he don't just, get high and go food shopping. Well, that's, I mean, that was our standard, yeah. you know, in college. Like, let's go, all right, let's go to Redner's. <laughs> you come home with a bag of... I mean, a bag, not like a Snickers bar, but a bag of Snickers bars. <laughs> that guy said French bread pizza. That was a staple. Uh, pickles. Yes. The giant plastic tub of 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 the the uh, uh, the cheese balls. Oh yeah, you know, the really yeah. big oh, one. Oh yes, that's, that's you had to have that. So BJ's has the bakery area right by checkout. So those. They're, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, you know what I'm talking about, <laughs> yes, those, they're chocolate chip cookies. I'm like, you wet. The ones that are half dipped in chocolate. Ooh. Are you guys impulse buy people? Do you buy stuff in the, the aisle? I buy I stuff in the I aisle. I will all, all the time. time. Yeah. And not necessarily candy. The checkout aisle? Yeah. Like Chachki, oh, stuff yeah. I don't yes. need. Oh. Yeah. Not all the time. Preston, but I, I have like five or six little mini flashlights. Yeah. yeah. Stuff like that. <laughs> I need this. Oh, I'm a sucker. Yeah. I'm a sucker for the impulse buy. Yeah, I, I am as well. The worst for me is home goods because they have it set up where uh-huh. you actually weave through like basically <laughs> another aisle. Uh-huh. And I mean, all of the women yes. there. You, and we're like, you're stopping and you're looking. I I will absolutely kitchen gadgets, pick up, like pick really up something, great things. And then Bed Bath & Beyond also. They have Bed a Bath & Beyond. Right at the front and that's where you Food. get the mini flashlight. Or- Two other places. Is Dick Sporting good? Or, yeah, the, the one at uh, at Collegeville has that now, where you weave through uh, an aisle. An aisle, <laughs> and uh, what was the other place? Uh, um, Home Goods has that, yeah, and uh, oh, Staples, Risky Video, Risky <laughs> Staples has that as well. I have a, a mini screwdriver. <laughs> <laughs> got you, that, got that you gotta have a mini screwdriver. Staples does the same thing as well. Mm-hmm. And before there was there was online shopping, you also had. I remember a comedian uh, uh, one time doing a bit on uh, infomercials. Like he, his wife, uh, in the next morning was like, "Your blue blocker sunglasses arrived." <laughs> What are you talking about? <laughs> Blue blocker <laughs> sunglasses. <laughs> These things are incredible. I feel like I'm seeing the world in HD. Uh, let me go to, speaking of infomercials, let me go to Chris. Hey, Chris, good morning. 
Hey, good morning, guys. How you doing? Good. What's up, buddy? Man, I was watching an infomercial about 2 a.m., all drunk on Captain Morgan, couldn't <laughs> sleep. Yeah. Next thing you know, my brother calls me, says, yo, I got six boxes here at the house for you. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Open them up. He goes, dude, you got five machetes and, like, six samurais. <laughs> machetes. <laughs> I wind up checking my account. I missed, I'm missing like $400, and I, I finally figured out it was the knives. Oh my you God. ended up buying machetes well, while drunk. That's great. Drunk, don't remember it. Yeah. The phone call. I'm missing money trying to figure out where it's at. <laughs> <laughs> Press, did you have some? I mean, Thanks, uh, I've never been to the Renaissance Fair, but that's oh, something yeah. similar, right? You would. You always came back with swords. Swords. We got them in the office. They're all displayed. I've got one. I've got one here, but I have more at home. I eventually gave some uh, away because I'm like, what What am I doing? What am I doing with these? Why do I have these? <laughs> I almost bought. I almost bought. They had the entire array of the Lord of the Rings swords. I mean, I'm talking the orc swords, the uh, narsal. They had... Every single variety of sword you were talking about this you that were you to- could get, and I'm like, I can do that. <laughs> I can do that, and I would build a wall, you know, where I would. I uh, shall build a wall. Yes, oh and my on God. that wall, I shall place my swords. This is at the Renaissance Fair. Is this the thing that's actually in the ship? It's like a yeah, uh, inside inside of the it. ship. Yeah, they had the full display of these yeah. of these swords. I mounted. shall build a wall. Harleysville. They were mounted on the wall. They looked amazing, and and I didn't want just one. I wanted all of them uh, because they had you know they had everything. Lagalos uh, his sword, yeah. even though he's a, he's a bow guy. They had one for him. They, they had what all- if you had uh, uh, just another beer? Do you think maybe? I probably, well, Rochelle was with me. It wasn't going to happen. There was no <laughs> way she was going to let me get that. The, the, the two or three I came back with were, were too many Do as it was. Do all of our children need to go to college? Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Uh, let me see. Uh, what is this? I'm going to go to uh, let me go to James. Hi, James. Good morning. Hey, sorry to bother you guys at work. It's all okay. right. What's up, buddy? Yeah, so um, soon I was like, drinking and buying stuff online. Um, my girlfriend, she uh, does babysitting part-time, and a couple months ago, she left me and uh, our two girls home, um, my two dogs, and uh, we, we were all drinking, and I said, my boss has been riding me for the last six years, so I haven't taken a vacation, so I kind of just got drunk and bought a ticket to Germany. Uh, so let, me, let, me, let me take this story back. You and your dogs are drinking? Well... They were kind of like supervising me. Okay. <laughs> okay. They were watching. <laughs> and you, you, you bought tic- a ticket to Germany. Yeah. Just yeah, basically. <laughs> when are you going? I'm going May 17th. I'm coming back the 28th. <laughs> all by yourself? <laughs> yeah, all by myself. And like the craziest thing was like. The- <laughs> oh, my God. Wait, so is yeah, your wife so- or girlfriend going with you? No. No, no, I'm, I'm flying solo. Oh, my God, he's going. <laughs> I, I am assuming the ticket was non-refundable, uh, correct? Yeah, it's non-refundable, but, you know, my, I gave my boss a notice, and he gave me the go-ahead. So. Okay. All right, and then now, have you gone ahead and made, uh, you know, plans of where you're going to stay and stuff like that yet, or is it just, I'm flying to yeah, Germany? Yeah. Like, the weird thing was, like, I'm starting to, like, I was trying to, like, process the whole, you know, fact I'm flying halfway across the world. And I'm like, man, where am I going to stay at, you know? If I may suggest and, something, uh, get drunk and then go online and plan your itinerary. Yeah, Might yeah. as well make it a whole thing. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know what? That's exactly what I did. I downloaded Airbnb and I started texting these, um, <laughs> like, these hosts in German. And they're like, oh, yeah, come by. Like, we can't wait to see you. I'm like, all right, I guess I'll see you guys in, like, a couple months. 
Okay. So, I mean, oh pre- pretty much drinking and doing things has been working out pretty well in 2018. So, Yeah, you may have to thank your drunk self later on after you have the trip of a lifetime to Germany, right? man. Yeah, right. All right enjoy. Get back to work. Yeah, uh, all right, man. See you, man. Uh, Marissa's been doing some uh, some drunk airline purchasing. Is that right? As of late. I think she, uh, yeah, this was uh, last night maybe or? Yeah, just over the weekend I uh, bought a trip to Vegas. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. When are you going? Oh, during our vacation in oh, the okay. spring. Yeah. Just for a few days. You alone, or do you have friends out there, or are you going with other people? My friend happens to be out there for a conference, so I'm crashing oh. with her. And, okay. Uh, yeah. All right, nice. Yeah, and that's how it starts, too. It's like, we're out drinking. Yes. You talk about it. We should do it. Oh, we should do it. We should do it. Keep going when you get home. Oh, my God. That's how it works. Uh, I've got one friend. She's got four kids, and my other friend has two kids. uh, And we were all discussing, we're turning 40. We're going to go away. We're going to do a friend trip. Yes, we're going to do it. And then we're on a text chain like a week later, and everyone's like, well, he has softball. She she has softball. He's got baseball. We've got basketball. I don't. Th- I can't go that weekend, and it's like, okay, forget it. Oh, we're gonna, we all booked a trip to Pitcairn Island. <laughs> That's where the bounty sunk. Yeah, so drunk shopping is is picking up uh, uh, quite a bit within the past couple of years. I'm going to go to uh, Melanie. Hey, Melanie, good morning. Good morning. What's up, Melanie? What's your story? Well, my husband purchased himself an eighty thousand dollar vehicle. Well, while he was lit up. No, no, hold on. It gets better. Okay. So. He, it's obviously a sports car. Yeah. So the roads were a little slippery, and he kind of crashed. So he came home that weekend. He was really bumming. He loves this car. So I, don't, I wouldn't say he was drunk, but he said to me, honey, I think I had a little bit too much to drink today. And I said, okay. I bought another $80,000 car. Oh, oh my, my God. God. The same exact car. That he crashed. Well, let me ask you something. So we assume he had insurance on the first car, correct? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so so he just he just simply he uh, he you could roll that over to the purchase of the second car because it sounds the first car was totaled. Oh, it wasn't totaled. So <laughs> it, now he has two of those vehicles. Well, the copper is also. He does auto body repair. Oh, well, that helps. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Did he learn his lesson about driving while lit up? Well, no, no, no. He wasn't lit up driving. The roads were just a little. Oh, okay. And and he drove like over the painted yellow line. I see. When he bought the second Second car. I got you. All right. So he bought the exact same car. Same car, same year, same model, same color. Everything. Oh, my God. What kind of car is it? Um, A V28 Camaro. All right. So quick question. Did you want to beat the piss out of him? No, because the following year. I bought myself one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She like whispered right. it. All right. Thank do you, you ever Monique. do you savor that if if um if Rochelle gets her something? Do you like okay now now I have a little I have to get have a little credit now and um a little bit yeah, yeah. a little bit yeah maybe, you know oh, it's, oh, yeah. it's my turn for a yeah. toy now you know uh, let me go. Oh, there's a new Batman statue out. I'm gonna go to uh, Nicole here. Hi Nicole, you're on the air. Good morning. Hi, good morning. How are you? Doing great, Nicole. All right, what would you buy when you were drunk? So I was going on an international flight, and my flight was delayed. So I had a couple Long Island iced teas in the airport and wound (laughs) up spending almost all of my vacation money on the duty-free crap that you can buy there, like perfumes and scarves and purses. Mm. And then when I got on the plane... I bought more of the stuff that they sell on the plane, on the little carts. The Sky Mall. 
Oh, it was terrible. <laughs> well, let me I ask no, you. I had no money for my vacation. I spent it all before you even got off the plane. <laughs> <laughs> that, I've seen people do that. And, I'm, you know, people don't travel a lot. What is that? That's and the, you can't the, exchange anything because no. you're in another country. Yep. <laughs> That's the duty-free shop. Well, what does that mean? Yeah. They don't charge you tax. Oh, my God. Yeah. I know. I know. Yeah. Sometimes you, you, you buy just because <laughs> you, it, because you're told it's a better deal. Now, sometimes it really is. Sometimes it depends on what country you're in, and, and liquor will be much cheaper. Right, right, right. Or sometimes it's way more expensive. But you have to know. That's the thing. Yeah. You have to drink that alcohol and, Thanks, and know that that is a deal that you're getting. Dude, yeah. I bought it. I was 17. <laughs> And I bought it going to uh, Cancun for senior week. So I didn't really even know what I was buying. You, you know, just I bought just, booze? I just bought booze. When we, when we took the trip last year, we were flying over to uh, to Denmark. And these uh, uh, these 20-somethings were, I mean, they they bought so many bottles of liquor <laughs> at the duty-free shop. Like huge ones because they sell really large right, ones yeah, there yeah. too. And they were just, they were just low. You got to carry that crap around. You do have to yeah. carry that crap around. But sometimes it's, uh, sometimes it's a bargain. Other times it's not quite so. Interesting, but I, I thought that stat was was kind of wild. Finder.com shows nearly half of American adults have admitted to making purchases while under the influence, and they spent um, about $447 per person last year compared to uh, the following year, $206 on drunk purchases. Great question. Do you mm-hmm. think you're more inclined to shop extravagantly under booze, under the influence of booze, or pot? Oh, booze, no question. Right? Booze would no seem question. to be the culprit. Because it lowers your inhibition. Yeah. And you are, you're you're more likely to say, F it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. except yeah. for judgment first. Right. Except, except, for, yeah, yeah. except for food. Except for food. Yeah. yeah. Food's a different story. Yeah, if you're especially if you're at the buffet. Yeah. And if you're if you're drinking, you want more to drink. Yes. And so, you know, <laughs> that doesn't count as food, I don't think. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, interesting. Thanks for your phone calls. WMMR presents Disturbed. I am Tonight at the Big Joint, Three Days Grace opens the show for David Draymond and Disturbed. Our own Brent Porsche is your cordial host, and Jackie Bam Bam broadcasts live with complete concert coverage from inside the venue. Ready, disturbed, and three days grace will rock the roof off the place. Some tickets remain at Wells Fargo Center Philly.com. Presented by 933 WMMR. Everything that rocks. There was an article that came out a little while back I found kind of interesting, uh, and it was stating that more than one third of paramedics have reported being assaulted while on the job during the 12 months. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> one third. It's not that, not like the job is tough enough. You're getting assaulted. And this was done, by the way, across... Uh, this is done internationally, so it's not just in the U.S. It's all over the world. Uh, medical officers have called for better training and cooperation with police and improved education as a way to prevent future assaults. And the first international study looking at paramedic assaults. I, uh, the study surveyed about 1,778 paramedics from 13 different countries. Of them, 633 reported being assaulted in the past year, and 203 of those said the incident could have been prevented. friend of mine years ago, paramedic, um, yeah, all the time, getting into uh, fights and scuffles, you know, at the scene where he's responding yeah, you're to take to care help. of someone. Exactly. And somebody there, a relative or somebody. What's well, funny, you, you, hear, you hear about uh, people that are overdosing on heroin and yeah. they get the, uh, the Narcan and then they come to and they, they get pissed off. 
It's like, dude, you're Start about swinging. to die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, you're about to die. Uh, but intern Joe, he uh, he's yeah. a paramedic now or an EMT. I don't know if there's a difference between. Uh, yes, there's a difference. Okay. Yes, there's a big difference. Big difference. A paramedic can prescribe medications, I believe. So, or not prescribe, but now I'm, I'm can make them in his basement. You'd better call now because okay, yeah. otherwise <laughs> here we go. Gonna, we're going to muck yeah. it up left and Please right. Call us. Uh, but yes, there's a, there's a, there's a there, there is a big difference. I understand. That. Yeah, I just don't know what the difference one is. of them can use a parachute and the other one cannot. Uh, so yeah, they're saying that's a third. And listen, sometimes it happens that you just have a confused person, somebody who's sure uh, who's been injured is uh, they don't know. Yeah, they can be uh, flailing. Yeah, exactly. So it happens. Um, so self-defense equipment and resources were mentioned as a potential solution by multiple respondents in the survey, such as restraints for violent patients, as well as ketamine for those who do not respond to drugs such as Valium. It's, it's, I mean, listen, you know, like you're, we talk about police showing up at the scene, something's happened, you don't know what's going on. You have these, these men and women showing up and you know that the situation's already gone south. There's somebody in 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 a we assume a dire situation, yeah. and then while you're trying to take care of that person, or maybe even that person themselves, you start to get in. You, you're getting attacked. Do you guys see uh, fifteen seventeen to Paris yet? That Clint Eastwood movie. I have not. I want to see it though. All right. So there are these scenes, Steve, and and they used the real men who were involved in the uh, terrorist attack on the train, right? And they talk about the training that these guys go through. One guy goes through uh, Air Force paramedic uh, right. training, and. Uh, this is just the training exercises, and I found myself getting tense at the stuff that he was supposed to memorize where, like, there's a clear fluid coming out of a victim's brain or a victim's ears because there's been a brain injury. And, oh and the ability God. to um, discern what's happening while something tragic and awful is happening at the same time and then react properly. I would collapse. I, I don't. It, it, it takes a, 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 um, an ability that is foreign to me. I, the greatest service I've done to humanity is not become a paramedic right. or an EMT. I mean, you know I how to do I've more tra- lives by knowing I'm stupid. You can do a trache, right? Yeah, yeah, the tracheotomy is my specialty. With a pen? If you need that, I, yeah, with a big pen. I'm going to go to Tony. Hi. Tony, good morning. I like turtles. Yes. Hey, nice. Tony, you are an EMT? Yes, and uh, I actually work where you live there, Preston. Oh, Excellent. In your Lower, house. In your basement. Uh, <laughs> Lower, He's inside the house. <laughs> Lo- Lower Salford, I assume? In the Harleysville area, yes, Okay. Sir. All right, cool. So uh, what's up? What's the difference here between AMTs and uh, paramedics? So EMTs is what we call basic. We can do basic life safety. We can cut off bleeding, stuff like that. Paramedic is where we give out medications uh, for various things, nausea, heart medicines, um, when you're overdosing, uh, we can do that seizures. We can give seizure, you know, to reverse yep. the seizures and stuff like that. So how do um, so so when a call goes in? I mean, obviously questions are asked, and then at that point they know whether to send um, EMT workers or paramedics. Correct. Uh, so most of the squads, the ambulances in the area, especially in Montgomery County, are what we call or or ALS trucks. They're paramedic and EMT. Uh, so. Depending, it doesn't matter what call you're going on. There's always a medic and there's always an EMT. On okay, the crew. that makes um, sense. And then we switch off depending on what we find on the scene. Like some calls are dispatched, just BLS, just basic. You got toe pain. Guess what? The EMT is riding that in. Other ones, you're having chest pain, a heart attack. Guess what? The medics are riding that in because they can give the medications and give the with the monitor. They can do cardioversion. Hey, Tony. Yeah. Have you ever been? Have you ever been attacked? Have you ever been yeah. in a? Yeah, you have. How, yeah. how how often do you get into a physical altercation while you're responding? Um, nowadays, not so much. Um, I used to work for 
psychiatric truck out of the state hospital. Um, and that was a constant occurrence. It was yeah. literally one of those daily things where you like you knew you're going in, and at one point in your shift, you're getting punched, kicked, bit, whatever. Um, nowadays, you, for me, it's not so much. Have you ever had a uh, a situation where it's like, oh my god, this this you know this is this got this got super real? Uh, so had a few of the uh, barricaded subjects. Um, not necessarily in the Hardsville area, but. When they come out, they usually come out. If they're not taken by police, they are coming out swinging. They are very upset, and you end up getting in the line of fire there with, with punches, kicks, anything. All right, all right. How many times have you been called to Preston's house because of a hot Cup. tub issue? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I promise you I want to tell. Don't answer that question. Tony. Don't answer Thanks, that question. Man. Appreciate it, by the we way. We have a man with very pruned fingers. Hey, uh, okay, so this is a little bit off topic, yeah. but we can go back to this in a second. But speaking of uh, of uh, emergency crews and so forth, I went by uh, Wawa and skip back on uh, Sunday morning, and there was a large group of large men in the parking lot, and they were all wearing black T-shirts. I mean, a lot of guys. Okay. And it looked like the steroid convention. Huh. These guys were freaking huge. Really? And they were wearing shirts that said uh, CERT, C-E-R-T. So I went and looked that up. It's emergency response team of some sort. Oh, I'm glad they're huge, the emergency response team guys. <laughs> they they look I'm like here with the emergency response. <laughs> they look like the biggest group of large, unhappy men that I've ever seen in my life. They just look pissed off. That's the way I want them. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know about that. Um, I, I was like not comfortable being yeah. around them. I just like, have a little bit of a smile. Uh, you know, yeah. like I'm like, wow, you guys really hate what you do. Wait, what, <laughs> what did you? On the radio, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I figured. Yeah. What did you find out they were? C E R T. It's a it's a government funded it's a mouth mint. Uh, response team, emergency response team. Computer emergency response. No, team? no, okay. not commute, not computer That's emergency. Actually, response. That's actually what he says. Clearly, has a problem with your hookup. I suggest you replace your Ethernet cable. Yes, I do steroids. Here you go. The community <laughs> emergency response team. Oh. I assume that's them. That's probably it. Yeah, it says. What's going on over there in Hollywood? I don't know, man. They were oh. all over. They were crawling all over the place. People have uh, suggested something right here on text. Oh, uh, t- Teams is for the Greaterford oh. prisoner transfer. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'd be pissed off too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, so they have built. You guys know I live right by Greaterford Prison. Yes. So they built of the schools. They built a yeah. Of yeah. course they went. They built a whole new facility there, All right. an entirely new prison. And my wife was actually telling me, she said, yeah, I think this weekend they're transferring all the prisoners over. So that's probably what it was. That's what it was. Well, do you in want fact, those guys looking mean, right? Yeah, yes. Yeah. So you know what? In fact, one of the guys had a shirt that said DOC on the back, okay. back of it. That's Department He's of a, Corrections. Uh-huh. No wonder they didn't look happy. Well, you can't. Listen. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> My brother was They're a corrections be officer. Yeah. Thousands of prisoners from one location you to another. You know how pissed off you get when you have to help a friend move? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> how many times you've been asked to move a prison? How, yeah, exactly. Oh how, many, how about a, a few thousand? This end fellas. table weighs five thousand pounds. Hang Listen, on. that has got to be a oh. task that you can't even imagine. I'm going to go to Tyler. Hey, Tyler. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Hey, what's up, buddy? Hey, uh, not too much. I just wanted to uh, clear things up. Sounds like you guys already got it figured out, but uh, I used to work for the Department of Corrections, and CERT is the Corrections Emergency Response Team. Okay. It's like our 
version of not not quite as heavy as SWAT, but they're an emergency response team to quell riots and stuff. Got it. Oh, Dear God. I'm telling you, That's Tyler. a hell of a job. Dude, it was a group of the biggest-looking guys I've ever seen, and there had to have been. Oh, had, yeah. Had to have very... been at least 40 of them there, 35 or 40 of them there, and they were all oh, congregating. Yeah. 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 Well, they were moving from SCI Greaterford to SCI Phoenix. That yeah. move required the, the attention of the specialty teams. Yeah. So oh, I, I would imagine. That, because of that, they were calling the teams from all different facilities to come down and facilitate the move from SCI Greaterford to SCI Dear Phoenix. God, T- Tyler, the, 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 the amount of work that must go into transferring a prison population to another prison yeah. must be extraordinary. Did you say Phoenix? Yeah, yeah. The new facility is called SCI Phoenix. Is that in Phoenixville, or is that just the name no, of it? No, it's just the name of it. It's okay. still on the same grounds as it's, SCI Greaterford. It's next door to it. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's it's yeah. it's right next door, yeah. Yeah, so you know when you come in through Collegeville, you can see the lights of Greaterford up on the hill? Yep. There are brighter, whiter lights under that. That's SCI Phoenix. Yeah, the other ones are kind of orangish yellow, and these new ones are, are, are bright white. And in fact, they finally Tyler had them all lit up this weekend. They they had Aww. they had, had portions of them. I know it was. Beautiful. Can you see the lights of Greater Fruit from the hot tub? <laughs> I, I, not from the hot tub, from the front door. Yes, really. Oh, yeah. oh my god, absolutely. So yeah. are there still inmates in the old building, or has everyone moved to the new building? Uh, as far as uh, as far as I know, they put out a news release on their Facebook page last night that the final bus left Greaterford yesterday. So, Tyler, as as they're boxing up all the prisoners, I, what do they write on the outside of the box? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Tyler. Appreciate this. it. Yep, no problem. You have a good one. Man, and Greaterford, I mean, that's the big house. That's it? That's that's the real deal. It's, now, it's a straight-up prison. The new facility, the reason for the new facility was to provide a spa, correct? Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. of course. Uh, but I, no wonder, because I saw these guys, it was a beautiful morning. Yeah. They're all up, you know, ready to go to whatever their job is, whatever doing it. And like, not one of them looked like they were ready for the, they looked angry. Well, I'm like, wow. Now man. you understand. Oh, hell yeah. yeah, they, had a, yeah. they had a serious job ahead of them. They had to Dear be, God. They had to be as serious as they could be. Or maybe they were getting into character, you know, maybe they're actually, they weren't that pissed off. They just had to pretend like they're They got to put on the face. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Okay. Well, thanks for the heads up on that. I appreciate that. Uh, speaking of other dangerous jobs, we had mentioned that, uh, being an EMT or being a, uh, uh, a paramedic. Uh, can put you in the way of assault yeah. on occasion. Uh, I did see this list of the eight most dangerous jobs in the world. Eight most dangerous. Uh, you know, why am I perpetually fascinated by lists like this? Because it makes you appreciate, I think, the job you have. There's a couple of surprising... I had a paper cut about a month ago. <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple of surprising ones in here. CPA? Uh, to be honest, no. But, uh, like, private investigator is number eight on here. Of course. Uh, they often do their own work with no backup. They catch people doing terrible or even illegal acts. And some of the dangers they face on a regular basis are demanding work schedules, violent people, getting into car accidents, or extreme temperatures while they're, you know, casing a place. Well, yeah, I mean, you're basically spying on somebody who doesn't want to be spied on, who is, you know, potentially breaking the law. I actually met somebody who was kind of casing somebody outside here in our parking lot. Really? Yeah, because we have doctor's offices and stuff like that. Ah. So, so it's not just... Oh, I did too. Yeah, yeah, but they're making sure that this person wasn't doing a... Uh, uh, insurance fraud or something like yeah. that. To see if they show up and yeah. put on like a neck brace and stuff like that. Uh-huh. It, it, private investigators who do that, that's yep. that could be risky as well. Wait, uh, are you? were you talking about one of our former interns? No. 
Oh, never oh. mind. All right, so eight. <laughs> I want to hear this story. Oh, yeah. I'll oh, tell my. you. I'll figure oh. it. All right. Eight most dangerous jobs in the world. Ground maintenance workers. Ground maintenance? You mean because of the equipment you're using? I believe so. It says uh, taking care of parks and outdoor areas may seem harmless, but according to this study, 217 total fatalities reported in 2016. Most of the deaths were due to falls, electrocutions, transportation accidents, or being struck by loose objects. Not squirrels. When I, when I Whenever I see those uh, esplunt uh, yes. you know, yeah, crews yeah, yeah, yeah. working on the side of the yep. road, and they've got all those wood chippers, and they're, they're cutting down branches and stuff, I'm like, somebody's got to get hurt from time to time. I've had a regular backyard wood chipper, regular size. Yeah. When there's something that, you know, two people side by side could jump through, no problem. Yeah. Those suckers are huge. Yeah. Uh, number six on this list are truck drivers. They had the highest number of deaths on the job in 2016, so the study's a couple years old, uh, and than any other occupation in the United States. Truck drivers. With yeah. a death rate of 24.7 per 100,000 workers. This is because they carry heavy and dangerous loads, drive when tired, and are driving so much that they are prone to being in a deadly accident. I wonder how much the, the litigate, or not the litigation, but the, the new... The law is meant to uh, stop yeah. them from driving. You know, there's there there are specific rules to how long they can be driving and how much they have to rest. Uh, you know, yeah. At, when you're uh, a long intervals. haul trucker, you yeah. can only um, log X amount of hours right. per day. Uh, every now and again, when I'm looking at, or driving, and and I'm, I'm surrounded by tractor trailers, I'm like, how are these things even legal? You know what I mean? <laughs> They're big, man. They're so big. No, you're right. Uh, number five, no surprise, police officers. Yes. One of the most dangerous jobs uh, around. Uh, police, and I think this is in the world, yeah, this is internationally. Uh, police officers encounter the most dangerous criminals in situations and are uh, uh, murdered more than any other profession. Uh, so that one you would expect to be on this list. One you would not expect to be on this list. Number four, veterinarians. Yeah. Because of animal attacks? Um, well, and there's there's various types of veterinarians as well, not just, you know, your dog and cat. Right. There are oh, ones right. that take like, care of big animals as well. And, yeah. Polar bear veterinarian, I'm yeah. sure, has a well, more difficult pres- deal. Game preserves and things like right. that yeah, as well. Yeah. <laughs> and they don't take the temperature by putting the thermometer under their tongue. Right. right so. yeah. Vets are exposed to animal bites, <laughs> infections, and illnesses, but mental health can also play a part. <laughs> High stress. Financial strain and emotional hardships associated with euthanasia oh. can be the leading cause of suicide. Oh, so really? they, they on a daily yeah. basis see people with their beloved pets putting down their uh, their their pets, and it, it it starts to affect them. Yeah, maybe not just seeing other people, but actually the animals seeing the animal die yeah. before them as yeah. well has got to be tough. I mean, man. I had to do that in this past year with my cat, and uh, it was the first time I ever had to do that. Yes. And it was really, really, it was harder than I thought it was going to be. It's incredibly difficult. And, and even though the vet told me I was doing the right thing, yep. it still didn't feel like it I was does. doing the right thing. I know, I know. You know? You know yeah. how you help mitigate that a little bit? Make sure you always have nine to ten cats at home. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's all you got to do. Yeah. But, you know, they, but they're the ones who actually have to do that. You know, the cat was laying in my arms, but... yeah. Somebody else had to administer the drug. No, it's 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 mm-hmm. heavy. It's a family member, yeah. and, and it will impact you. In in Australia, the Australian Veterinary Association vets are up to four times more likely to commit suicide than the rest hey, of the God, population. Huh? I love this great white claw. <laughs> <laughs> they call them binkies. My favorite box jellyfish. <laughs> what kind of pets are they? Bring? Yeah. The ringed octopus. Yeah, the ring octopus. Yeah, that's a... they call them sucky. 
Because he's got little suckers on his tentacles. Get all emotional when yeah. you do yeah, that. Goodbye, buddy. <laughs> what about you here? Saltwater across the sound of you going... <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine Australian vet. <laughs> yeah, had to put it down. Yeah. Had to put down my saltwater crocodile. Did he have a name? Chompers. Chompers. <laughs> oh, poor guy. Uh, so veterinarians. All right, here's another one. Roofers. Yeah. These are some of the most dangerous jobs. Because in the world. they fall yes. off. Yes, exactly. It's an obvious Steve. one. Uh-huh. I wonder how many. Uh, how many a uh, roofer has in, encountered um, passing out from heat? Well, yeah, and it, especially yeah. as we start to move into another uh, string of ninety-plus degree days, mm. uh, you know. And what? Correct me if I'm wrong. Was did we not hear someone say that union rules? I guess it depends on whether the union or not. There's a certain temperature, certain temperature you cannot yeah. be up on a roof doing, your, I had it, a, it's illegal. Yeah, I had a friend who was a union roofer, and right. I, I don't know if it was a certain temperature or what, but I mean, there was, when it got to that ridiculous heat, they right. would, they wouldn't work. Right. They Probably depends on the, on the employer, too, you know, yeah. like, and, and how stringent they are when it comes <laughs> to those rules. I had a job, I don't, I don't know if I ever told you guys this, but uh, it, I did not last very long at this job. It was... Uh, a, a maintenance company, and one of the jobs, it was in the winter, uh, it was, was over a uh, winter break from college, uh, was to take the, sh- the snow off of roofs. So we would go to warehouses, okay. and, like, so long, big, flat roofs where the snow would um, would weigh it down and become a hazard inside the building. The job was to take uh, the snow, and it was, you'd think flat roof, snow, easy, it's just back-breaking stuff. It was really slippery and really difficult being up there. And sure. There was, you know, a chance and, and, fall. And, and, so yeah, fall off. Yeah, I had a friend who, who had a fall from, from roofing, yeah, and he was man. doing it as summer time work and uh he, man he got he he laid up in the hospital for like yeah. a couple of weeks Preston, it was a pretty nasty friend in nasty. college was doing stuff like that and he right. was bringing a sheet of plywood up so he's going up the ladder held the, the plywood to the side as he's going up gust of wind turned that thing into a sail Oof. and he got blown off like four stories up it's uh it's dangerous work and number three on this list number two is a welder uh, it says welders, especially underwater welders, and we know an underwater yeah. welder, uh, are very susceptible to injuries and accidents. Usually, electricity and water don't mix, but it is part of the job for underwater welders. They face many dangerous dangers, including explosions and different pressure hazards. I don't know why they don't get rid of that equipment and go completely with repulsor race. I saw Iron Man doing it, and it seemed to be no problem. It seemed really right. easy, right? Yeah. Is that in the second movie? The third. Third movie. Underwater welders die at a rate of 40 times higher than America's national average. We did that uh, cooling caravan with Dunkin' Donuts a few weeks ago and got a few emails from people, and it just wasn't geographically convenient, but from uh, from welders working in this heat without air conditioners, all they have is fans. I, I don't know how it's humanly possible to do mm. that. There you go. Just use that. Just use that. Uh, so that's number two. And then the number one on this uh, most dangerous jobs in the world Lumberjacks have the number one most dangerous job. That's always up there. Yeah. And you know what else is usually on a list like this? Uh, although if, maybe if it were just uh, concentrated in America, but farmers have very, very yeah. dangerous jobs as well. So the lumberjacks, we, we know that there's all sorts of sharp tools and trees falling on you, but is that basically the gist of it? Yeah. Or is it the, 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 the embarrassment of having to wear all that flannel? No, not that. Uh, they, they not only uh, use dangerous machinery, but uh, they climb trees and are around falling heavy trees as well. In 2016, the Bureau of Labor Statistics reported uh, that an average 135.9 out of 100,000 deaths. Uh, most deaths are from falling trees 
or equipment errors. Do you ever watch any of that show with about the lumberjacks? It was, no, um, uh, I've seen scenes. Yeah, but I've it, never really watched the show. They like every episode had something going wrong. You know. <laughs> Hang on, Jamie says working in mushroom houses are dangerous. Mushroom houses. Hi, Jamie. Good morning. Hey, what's up, Preston? Yeah, uh, bud. Yeah, I knew something that was, I knew it wasn't going to be on this list, of course, but uh, my dad owns a mushroom business, and I've been working inside the mushroom house for the past uh, three months, but I've been working for the company for the past four years, and every single day you hear people either falling um, 20 feet high. My dad actually was on uh, Workman's Comp uh, about three years ago because he fell and they work with pitchforks, and he fell on top of the pitchforks. Oh, oh so, my God. so let me ask you something, uh, Jamie. Are they so? Are they walking on platforms above? We're working on wood. It's literally just wood, and um, the wood boards. And the boards have been there for twenty years, thirty years. Uh, they barely get replaced, you know. Or uh, that's usually the case where people just you. It's twenty feet high. You're, you're if you saw footage, people working inside the mushroom house, you wouldn't believe it. It's a the other day. Uh, the temperature said one hundred and ten degrees, and I literally had to get put, stick my head outside so I can breathe because I couldn't breathe. One hundred and ten degrees with a bunch of stinky mushrooms. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I, I, so the configuration has has the workers above twenty feet above them on. Uh-huh. On yeah. wooden planks. Yeah. Where are you? Where? Where's? Um, we, we, it's Kenneth Square. Actually. Yeah. It is Kenneth Square, the mushroom yeah. capital of the world. Yeah. yeah. Of course. Yep. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's okay. Y- it doesn't sound that. good. I, yeah. Jamie always thought they did that like in caves and stuff like that. <laughs> no. Nope. Nope. You're thinking of cave mushrooms. No, I've you seen them. I've seen them growing them in. Am I wrong about that? Well, maybe. I mean, maybe. But here in Kenneth Square, there's so many. Um, actually, there's a lot of competition. There's so many mushroom houses. You can go down every single road in Kenneth Square and find a mushroom house. And uh, I was actually, I've been in mushroom uh, work my whole entire life. My dad actually worked for a company. And then he uh, became their mechanic and then got a loan. And he owns his own business now. So I've been working for him. But before that, I was working in a mushroom house also. Okay. Just real quick, why why Kenneth Square? Is it the soil? Why is it so popular and uh, abundant it's, there? It's perfect. It's perfect. The, actually, the temperature. The, the cottonness, coldness, everything, the temperature is just, just right. And Kenneth Square, I don't know if it's just because uh, it started off, someone started off with a mushroom business, but eventually it grew. And it's very hard to, uh, uh, the, it's just perfect. Everything's perfect here. Maybe it already smelled like poop before right. they got yeah. here. Yeah. And, and Let's then, go Preston, why not Rutledge? Uh, I don't know. Why not Rutledge? It's too small. Is it? Yeah, it's only got nine streets. Thanks, Jamie. Appreciate it, man. Okay. So, I my I have a few friends of mine that are special education teachers, and they tell me that um, they can be attacked at any point, and it's a really really dangerous job. They yeah. never know what you're going to get. And in fact, uh, my one friend, she was smaller, and she would get get her ass handed to her on a daily basis. And, so, and how do you deal with that when it's it's a lot of times it's not. The kids fall. No, right, it, right, it's exactly. not. Yeah, and, 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 you got to protect yourself, but not, right. but not yeah, yeah. harm the person that you are. Yeah. supposed to be. And that's all you can after. really do is just you protect what, yourself. The mushroom right? house is looking better. Yeah. yeah. Right. Wow. Uh, interesting. Listen, I appreciate. I, we got to take a break. Let me go. Uh, I'm going to do one call because yes. he's been on hold the longest. We have a private investigator who was the first thing I had on this list. Hi. Uh, good morning. You're on the air. I love you. <laughs> I love you. Yeah. <laughs> I love you. Uh, so you wanted to mention about uh, your job being dangerous? Yeah, I wanted to say that, um, you know, wintertime is pretty easy because I've got a sleeping bag that I just, it's for like negative 30 degree winters and stuff. So I use that in the wintertime. But in the summertime, man, uh, 
it's not it's not safe to leave your vehicle running the whole time with the AC going because that can really mess up your vehicle. But you know, like on a hot day, like 90 degrees, 95, add about a, add about 50 degrees to that, and you know you're working in about a 150 degree car. Jeez. And you know what? Stakeouts must suck. And I know that's a lot of what you do, but just sitting and waiting has. It I'm definitely. Sh- yeah. I'm sure it you're used to it by boring. now, but, you know. Yeah, it's definitely get, can get boring at times. It, uh, you know, when the things happen, they happen. And, you know, it's an opportunity to turn the AC on in the car. But, you <laughs> well, know, there are days where you're just sitting in one spot for eight hours, ten hours at a time. Let, let me ask you, uh, give me percentages here. How, how much of your time is spent simply surveilling and how much time is spent actually active in arresting someone or, or, or something else? I don't actually arrest anyone. Yeah. I kind of just, you know, I observe the activity. I take video of it. I take photographs, document it, and then I send it in. So, uh, so, so, a hundred percent is surveillance. Hundred percent is surveillance. Um, but if a person's not active, like if they're just in their house, like I'm not going to go into their living room and start filming them. Like, like right. if they're just in their house, it's just you're all you're doing is just sitting in your car. But it can get real hot, and there have been times where I've been in a hot car. Uh, like hundred fifty degree car, and the person I'm surveilling is having like a pool party. Oh man, that sucks. I, I would I would take my clothes off. I'd have All to right. <laughs> sit there naked. I've done in the... it before. <laughs> yeah, I've, been, I've been down to my underwear in this car. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Sure, man. All right, thanks, man. Um, Appreciate it. Well, there's a lot of a lot of strange jobs out there that do have dangers, and the, uh, private investigators one of them. I found that interesting. All right, anyhow, thanks for your calls. Appreciate it. Preston and Steve on 93.3 WMMR. Now, WMMR presents Preston and Steve's Bizarre Bizarre Uh, We'll start with one that hits close to me. Police say a man stole golf balls from a private country club and resold them to a driving range. What the f***? But wait do you hear about how many uh, he stole over time. Uh, Joseph Kalenda, who's 58, was arrested on a warrant last week in charge of second-degree larceny, a search warrant executed at his home in August, found in excess of 2,500 golf balls, many of them stamped with the Patterson Club logo. Uh, police began investigating in August after a club member found Patterson's golf club golf balls while using the driving range at Great Brook Sports. Now, officials told police they were there were three instances this summer where they discovered golf balls left uh, for members to use were taken. The thefts happened, uh, well, with a, it ended up being a total of about 20,800 golf balls. 20,000 golf balls? Yeah, that this guy stole. Don't they pay people to go into, like, the ponds and stuff and get the golf balls out of those? If it's, yeah, if you have a lot of water right, on the golf yeah, course, yeah. sometimes they will. But they also have, you know, a really nice club will have brand new... Really good golf balls that they'll use for their so driving So he was range. stealing and reselling. Yeah, that's exactly it. So a detective went to the facility and purchased a bucket of balls at the driving range. He found golf balls with the Patterson logo on there, and they talked to the manager, and they said that this guy sold them to him. So they busted him. You have my balls. Now he's uh, in. he's been charged with a second-degree larceny for stealing golf balls. A Texas, oh, my balls. A Texas zoo was forced to close for the day after a wild mountain lion was spotted roaming around the park. A security guard discovered the stray feline inside the El Paso Zoo at approximately 6 a.m. Friday and alerted authorities. Officials were not able to find the mountain lion in the office hours. Did I have I presented this story before? I don't think so. Okay, all right. And the zoo remained closed as the search continued. He did one about golf balls. Okay, that, yeah. I think I remember okay. that one. The animal does not belong to the park as the El Paso Zoo does not have a mountain lion exhibit. So it was just a, a visiting the park. Yeah. 
Uh, it's possible the big cat came from shoes. a desert area near the southwest Texas city. Uh, let's see. A man has been arrested after a fire extinguisher inspection led to the uh, alleged discovery of child porn. Oh, man. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, employees at the Shadow Creek Apartments were collecting fire extinguishers for inspection on Friday. When they reached the suspect's apartment, they were inside. And they found what appeared to be a slideshow of child pornography. Are you kidding me? On his computer in the living room. Police were called and went to the apartment. They confirmed the existence. Uh, police say the suspect, James Drew Taylor, uh, was located at his place of appointment uh, uh, employment, and he allegedly told police that he did download the images from the Internet. Um, now, tenants of this place were notified by three emails uh, prior to the inspections that they should put their fire extinguishers outside for collection. So, But listen, honestly, in this case, I'm always glad when the child pornographers are dumb. Yeah. 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 Yep, precisely. Anything that leads to them them, uh, being captured is A-OK in my book. Exactly. Uh, Apparently, a cute cat can be considered offensive to some. The U.S. Embassy in Canberra, Australia, has apologized on half of the Department of State, which accidentally sent out a test email Featuring a photo of a cat dressed in a cookie monster costume. <laughs> so why, what's the big problem? According to the Australian Associated Press, the photo was titled Cat Pajama Jam. And, this? and was sent with an email titled Meeting as part of a fake meeting invitation sent by the Department of State to recipients. This is adorable. Uh, I want to work for this government. Yeah. Uh, the, US, <laughs> the U.S. Embassy's apology reads in part, sorry to disappoint those of you who were hoping to attend the cat pajama party, but such an event... Uh, falls, falls well outside our area of expertise. It was a training error made by one of our new staff testing our email newsletter platform. So it was kind of a tongue-in-cheek apology. All right. But, I don't uh, know who would be offended by this adorable little picture. It is super cute. Look at that. Uh, what would you say for, uh, what would you do for a bag of Doritos? That's the question. Well, the Sheriff's Department is... Handy? Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. You just I thought it's part of the thing. You were just asking. No. It's, okay. I do like those. <laughs> yeah. Handies or Doritos? Uh, handy. Both. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. What's it's a story? win-win for me. What's going on? <laughs> right. Yeah. We're negotiating here. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean give or get? <laughs> well, I think we get. I thought yeah. you were saying give. So yeah, yeah, yeah sure. They're okay. good. They're right. good. The sheriff's department in San Bernardino, California, posted on Sunday about their adventure luring a pig the size of a miniature horse back home. Oh, I saw this. And they write the. Responding officers knew where the pig lived due to previous calls, and they lured him back home with Doritos. <laughs> Look at the size of this thing, Kathy. Oh, my God. And they were literally dropping Doritos on the road, like, one at a time, like a like a trail of breadcrumbs. And they were, and, and it was just from the deputy's lunch, and the pig followed her and was brought all the way back home with that. Isn't that great? Yeah. That my, little my, piggy went home. Yes, it did. <laughs> my wife follows people on Instagram that thought they were getting a miniature pig. And so when they bought it as a piglet, it was tiny. They didn't realize and it was... now, And it lives in their home. Yeah. It's not a barn oh, or a farm. Like, like 300 no. pounds, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Mary Mead Farm has one of those huge pigs. Yeah. They can get really, They're really big. giant. One last story. A group of elderly female residents at the Milton Lodge, a retirement home in England, have been treated to a meal served by scantily clad butlers. Wow. Claire Martin, activities co-coordinator at the Milton Lodge, said it was... Did you 80... say activities? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was 89-year-old Joan Corp. Had like some spotted dick. Who thought up the idea. Martin says, whenever you ask Whoa. Joan what she wants that day, she always <laughs> says, 
She wants a man. Yeah. Uh, so, the, yeah, and these guys are in, like, Chippendale yeah. costumes. And they, from what I understand, Preston, they will have sex with these women. Uh, okay, so... <laughs> you understand. Uh, the activities coordinator said, uh, so we weren't surprised when she wanted it to be her wish. The home hired men from a company called Hunks and Trunks huh. to serve residents a three-course dinner. The gentlemen were told to do some, quote, harmless flirting. And the oh, el- they don't have sex then. The eldest resident at the home, Doll Jenkins, who is 99, said she loved the butlers in the buff and has requested for them to come back for her 100th birthday. Well, that's sweet. Yeah, so they had a good Get time. Get it all turned on. Yep. All right, there you go. That's what I have <laughs> in the bizarre file for you. Just like the telly. This 93.3 WMMR audio on demand program returns after a brief word from our sponsors. Hey, it's Preston. Listen, I'd like to thank Jack Frost Mountain for sponsoring today's podcast. We are headed back to Jack Frost on Friday, March 1st for our 13th annual Preston and Steve Cardboard Classic. Go to WMMR.com to score lift tickets for just 20 bucks and for details on how to register your sled to compete for cash and prizes. From WMMR and JFBB, where the snow comes first. French Creek Outfitters in Phoenixville has everything you need for the great outdoors and beyond. All the big name brands, they have them. Visit FrenchCreekOutfitters.com for additional info. French Creek Outfitters, why take a chance with anybody else? Taking time for yourself isn't selfish, it's self-care. Schedule a massage or facial at your local Hand & Stone Massage and Facial Spa with a relaxing massage or refreshing facial for just $59.95 for first-time guests. Visit one of their 50 area locations or handandstone.com. Scoot up Valentine's Day? Diamonds will get you out of the doghouse. Make it up to her with Stevens Angel Heart Diamond Necklace for only $128. Online at IHateStevenSinger.com or at the other corner of 8th and Walnut, Stevens Singer Jewelers. One place, one price. This is the Preston and Steve Show podcast. I want to talk about a new sex position. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> okay. All right. Now you to demonstrate. What? Uh, no, no. I'm, I'm interested because there was a sex position. Uh, Jared Leto was wearing a shirt the other day <clears throat> and it had all these sex positions listed okay. on it. And all there right. was one that I had never heard of. There's one uh, now. I don't think there are any "quote unquote" new sex positions no. because the there, people have been at it for a while. Has been around for a long time, and that pretty much explores all the different possessions positions that you can be in. Uh, but there's one apparently called the Golden Arch. Yes, and there's a oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for a, a millisecond. I know. You thought just yeah, a moment, <laughs> and then I was like, "No, I do that all the time." Consider the source. Uh, Annabelle Knight, who is a sex guru, uh, has revealed that. Does go- say that on a business card? <laughs> that the Golden Arch sex position is perfect for both couples to receive intense pleasure and is very easy to do. We used to know a sex guru, the girl in Westchester. Yeah. Yes, Jill and they McDavid. ran her out of town. Uh, did, did they? Jill McDavid. Well, they didn't run her out of town. Like lit she, torches. Uh, she closed up her shop, <laughs> and she lives in San Diego now. But she still Does listens she? from time to time. Yeah, yeah. She's a good follow on Twitter if you're interested in. Uh, uh, p- positions like the Golden Arches. I mean, she, she was awesome. She's very um, open. In, oh yeah, in her descriptions. So if, you, if you're faint of heart, I wouldn't. But uh, she's yeah. she's written books. Uh, but the the position involves a woman, and I'll. This is I'm not going to get graphic about Bill. Don't worry. Well, Bill's out of town. Bill's out of town. Let her in. She got beautiful boobies. He's a no. Wait a second. My Bill senses are tingling. It's like Spider Man. Bill's out. You know. He feel, yeah, he gets a tingle in his nuts. In some local store lecturing someone about the third leg of the stool. And so, you see, I deal with the third leg. Wait a second. Something's going on. Sex talk back in Philadelphia. <laughs> 
Anyway, but I'm not going to get graphic with this, but the position involves a woman sitting on top of her partner so that they have the best view of each other during their sex. Imagine this, uh, Kathy. Yeah. You sit, um, The man sits uh, sits upright right. with his legs straight out in front of him. Okay. She uh, sits on his lap facing him, but she's on her knees. You know what I mean? Right. Okay. okay. So there you go. That's okay. the, the way position. you do it. Yeah. That's the position. That's new? Apparently, well, that's that's what I'm saying. I, I don't, don't think it's no, new. I think there's a little bit more to it, Preston, if I may. Um, I think basically you're looking <laughs> you're looking as if you're almost playing like crab soccer. I don't um so There's a woman leaning back. Well, eventually she can lean back. Yes, okay. that's what this gets into. But the but the basic position is you're sitting up, uh, guy sitting yeah. up, legs straight out on the bed, and she is on her lap, uh, on your lap, facing you uh, on her knees. And now, where am I sitting when I film it? And she can <laughs> lean back. During yeah, because at some point she's got to go. be in an arch position. Yes, correct. Beca- exactly. That's it, right there. So, anyhow, uh, Annabelle said that this head-to-toe position is a great way to have a full view of each other's bodies. <laughs> Uh, she says he needs to sit with his legs straight, and then she sits on top of him with her knees bent over his thighs. Uh, she has to lean back and then let the pleasure commence I, I by do... lifting her ankles. So do, would you do the golden arches? I know you and I are fans of the Arby's <laughs> with the, <laughs> the horsey sauce. Uh, yes. A lot, of, a lot of meat. <laughs> Plenty of horsey sauce. Uh, cup, it says couples can keep eye contact in this position, meaning it is very intimate. Stop looking at me. And can help women uh, who find it a challenge to get to that next level. Ma, she's looking at me. <laughs> Annabelle advises that you can lean back slightly to increase stimulation, and couples can also explore each other's bodies for I, added pleasure. I want to explore your body. Yeah. I love you. <laughs> I think what this position does, uh, and again, to be as, as delicate as possible, it makes things link up properly so that certain spots are hit more comprehensively. I guess so. Did I hit that right? I think so. Okay. I think it might be. And that's and the uh, that's the charm of this spot. Now, the Burger King is a, an entirely different thing. Yes. Here's a great uh, uh, comment from somebody that says, doesn't work for fat people. Hmm. Okay. Sure? Probably not. No, it would be a little... If you have a large belly, it might get in the way. Gets in the way. Yeah. If you I get out to sickness about... climbing up your stomach, yes. Uh, if we're going to talk about just physically <laughs> being able to do certain things, it might be a little bit of an issue. Steve, what is the Burger King? Is that meat in between two buns or... Have it your way. <laughs> okay. It's really... It requires you and a hooker. All right, hmm. so uh, Jared Leto was wearing this shirt and it had all these positions and one was called the crab. Got... Yeah. Yeah, you, this, you, it, you bang a crab. Oh. Ooh. <laughs> It's really painful. Can you describe it? Well, uh, no. It oh, just, it just says. It just it just says right. Here, okay. Here's the, uh, the oh, it says cowgirl, here. doggy face, sixty nine scissors, and the crab. Uh, Have you ever heard of the crab? I don't know. It sounds like it might be similar to this. Uh, to, it, it, to, it does actually to the golden arch because we talked about the crab soccer. Yeah. Um, I don't really know. Case okay, so we'll have to look that. Do you up. know, but you bring up a good point too, President. But people say, you know, and, oh. and Norm Macdonald does a bit on it. I, I got a new position. No, you don't. No, you don't. No. You have to imagine all the people throughout time yeah. who have been having sex. Sure. It's all been done. Yep. Trying it a different way. Unless exactly. you're doing it on a new invention. Like maybe the first person who had sex in a Tesla. By the way, and this will speak to Kathy, make, <laughs> making your bed in the morning can lead to a better sex life. Yeah, it always I'll bet you be. make your bed every morning, yeah. don't you? Do yeah. you? You make your bed every morning? Well, wait a minute. Dennis every, isn't up by then. Every day. She still yeah. makes it on top of her. <laughs> he wakes yeah. up with the blankets over him and the right. pillow on his face. Yeah. What the hell? No, but the bed, yeah, I will. Uh, I also make Jace make his bed every morning. The beds have to be made, yeah. With, beds have to be listen, made. Listen, if you don't have time to put the decorative pillows on, I'll let it slide. <laughs> oh, man. 
but uh, if I make if I make the bed, the decorative pillows go on. You would love my my room is very antiseptically clean now. I have to say, I have my little uh, my little vacuum cleaner, and if I had a (laughs) cup where I was drinking, I do. And if I had my little cup where I was drinking water, I make sure that goes back down to the kitchen sink. Oh, oh God, I love you. you. That's so sweet. That's so nice. That's really good of you. Uh, I hate decorative pillows. (laughs) I I finally got rid of them. They they stayed they stayed on my bed forever, and and I use my bed alone. It's my bedroom. It's your bed. Sleep in different rooms. And and so for the longest time, the the decorative pillows kept getting put on there. I'm like, these are stupid. Nobody ever comes in here but me. I don't care for them. They're just taking up space. And when I put them on the on the floor, they take up space there too. So now I've I've systematically one at a time put them in the closet and now they're hidden away and they you, never come out It's your room. It's my room. Uh, I have my room. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I have, I've opted to not use decorative pillows and I replace them with Batman figures. I mm-hmm. have on my bed, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, <laughs> nine, ten, eleven decorative pillows. <laughs> you know, she, she's like Shelly Long in Cheers, Nick. Eleven. You remember the, the scene where, where, where uh, oh Sam Malone God. goes over to sleep with... Uh, with her and yeah. and uh, he goes in and you, and he goes you see him walking out of the room with about fifty stuffed animals and pillows and he throws yeah. them out the window. Or along um, came Polly. Yeah, along yeah. came Polly. He yeah. actually yeah, does see- the math on how much time <laughs> of his life has been wasted <laughs> yeah. by taking the time to put the pillows away and put them back on. And, and he's like, he it doesn't make any sense. a knife to shred them, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Cap- All right, so go ahead, Nick. I'm sorry. All right. uh, Casey, just uh, to answer your question about the shirt that Leto was wearing, it's a cover for one of their albums for 30 Seconds to Mars. Oh. It's, it's called America's Name of the Album, and it has those sex positions written on it. Got okay. It. Uh, but, Kath, doesn't that just add extra stress to your life? Or or is the, the no the unmade bed adds stress to my life. Okay. No, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm, I'm talking not kidding. about the decorative pillow. Part. No, no, it doesn't. Add, why? No, I have like a little bench at the bottom of the bed, and the decorative pillows <sighs> are neatly uh, stacked there neatly. at nighttime. I'm surprised you don't have a little a little uh, um, like a, a trunk at the end of the bed where you can put the pillows in. Yeah, you know what? I know, but the thing is, is that eleven usually doesn't fit in the trunk. Mm. So I, I I did the bench, and they stack nicely on the bench. Okay. Right. I, I have to get it. I'm not so sure about that. At night, I have to get into a freshly made bed. So, say the on a rare occasion that the bed is not made, um, I will kind of I straighten the sheets out and you call a make, divorce lawyer. No, and almost <laughs> make the bed before I get into it. It's just like it's more comfy. I and it's neat. I never make my bed ever, ever. Does ever. your wife shut? The door to your bedroom, or do you shut the door to your shut bedroom? The door. Uh, I, not that I ever. You know, noticed. she doesn't shut the door. That's how he was busted. Uh, no, shut up. No, I know, but I'm saying I'm wondering <laughs> if she like is like okay. I I don't care, but when she like for me, if it wasn't made, I would go by and just shut so the you door. don't have to look don't at it. Look Here's at what it. I do, and I honestly, you guys know, I sleep on top of the bed. I sleep on top of the comforter with a blanket, like a nice. It has little elephants on it. So you and don't actually make your bed. You just don't mess it up. I just don't mess it up. <laughs> okay. I tuck it in, though, if there are little little creases. And, and you would find a pristine bit of bedding. In the winter, if it starts <laughs> to get very, very, very cold, I, I just pressed it. You're like me. Even throughout the winter, I have I have the ceiling fan going. I, I fan. like oh, the always. circulation yeah. of air. I absolutely destroy my bed during the <laughs> night. I mean, with the, the you poop a lot. The pillows and the it's an absolute mess. The the uh, the the blankets are in a wad. Pillows are all over the place. By the time I'm done sleeping. What's the point of me making the bag? Because I'm just going to do it again. It's funny because I, I actually have to have the elephants facing the right way when I sleep. <laughs> Jesus. I know it's so goddamn stupid, but Did I you do. force yourself to do it the other way? Just to just to make you sleep, make you get It'd through. Be it. Hard. It'd be hard. It'd be hard. All right. I, know, I, would, I would not be confident that the elephants were looking the correct way. Mm. 
Wait, can I? I want to answer that text. Uh, what right. is it? Which one? It says, Kathy, if she is a certain way that she stacks the pillow. Yes. Of course you do. Exact same way every single time. The most efficient way, way, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. The two big pillows and then the longer pillow in the middle because it's long enough. Hang on. <laughs> I, did. I mean, what am I, running a bed and breakfast? <laughs> this is him stabbing the pillows. Anymore. You know how many minutes a day I spend getting to throw pillows on and off the bed? How many? Four minutes in the morning, four minutes at night. That's eight minutes of my life. I figured it out. It's 56 minutes a week. It's nearly two days of my life a year I spend putting pillows on and off a stupid bed. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this poll uh, said from the Just Saying Institute uh, surveyed 2,000 Americans and found that 42% of those who make their beds said their partner makes them more likely to do so. And a third of people said it would be a turnoff if a potential partner didn't make their bed. They also found that those who make their bed have more sex per week than those who leave the bed unmade. Quick question, well, Kathy. Does Dennis make the bed when he gets out of it? He makes the bed, yeah. All right, well, there you go. All right, so he's on the same page. And that means there's a lot of uh, of uh, golden arches going on there. I guess so. Yeah. I guess it happens. <laughs> uh, speak, by the way, speaking of uh, the bed and sleeping, uh, two-thirds of millennials report sleeping naked uh, by a poll that was done by mattressadvisor.com. They're a mattress review site. Do you sleep naked? Do you porky pig it? Do you sleep bottoms? Uh, underwear. Underwear. Just underwear. Underpants. Yep. I go yeah, back and night. forth. Yeah. If, if, I, if it's like warm out and uh, especially if like I've just taken a shower, I'll sleep naked. But I think most comfortably uh, boxers, underwear. I think so. for me, it's a leisure suit. Okay. I think it just is the most comfortable <laughs> way. Because it's leisure. You're sleeping. Sure. Yeah. As I, long as there's no socks on. I cannot sleep with socks on. Oh, no. Who can? Some more Psychopaths. Yeah, psychopaths. Uh, I don't. Uh, I, I think if I, maybe if I didn't have kids. Maybe I would sleep in a nude. Did um, you in college? Um, no. I like <laughs> college. I passed out most nights. So fully dressed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. no, shoes on, on the way back to the dorm. Yeah. You're lucky if you make it to the bed. Uh, yeah. No, in, in, fact, in, in the bushes. My entire senior year. No. Either way, junior and senior year, I basically slept on the couch every single night. Yeah. Wow. Sounds about right. The holding yeah. tank. Yeah. The holding tank. Uh, uh, so I usually do. Um, Underwear and either a shirt or not. Okay. I, my, my friend's uh, father. My wore, shoes are right by the bed, though. And actually, my friend, yeah. when all growing up, uh, he, I mean, he had like old man 1950s pajamas, you I was know, where you, ask, you're biting down. Who does that? Yeah. And I also have a question about a nightcap because that was a <laughs> thing for a little while that people had little. You know, you know who I see wearing full pajamas for some reason? Bill, Bill, Bill West, yeah, yeah, no, Bill Burns. Burns. Oh, Bill yeah. Burns! Yeah. I see Bill Burns. Yeah, I could see that in full-on striped. Is Mumsy uh, going to tuck me in? <laughs> Bill is a, a Bill Weston. Well, yeah, well, Bill Burns maybe could be a a, a full yeah. flannel. Bill Burns, jammies. Uh, one of our sales managers. Yeah, he's 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 a button-down guy. He's, mm-hmm. But I I uh, I could see that pajamas. Yeah, uh, my dad was a uh, he was a uh, bathrobe guy, right? So he'd get up in the morning. And he would go downstairs. He made all our all of our lunches all through grade school and high school. And he was there. He had this old ass robe that he wore all oh, the that time. Was my my yeah. dad was robe and strap on. Yeah, it, a strap on. It was wow. his thing. <laughs> uh, if we didn't go to work as early as we do and had a little bit more time, mm-hmm. I'd probably do the bathrobe thing. You'd be a bathrobe guy. So comfortable. Yeah, I know. You know, nice it's too comfortable. It's a leisurely way to get up in the morning. It's it's too com- it, like it, it to me. It, it's it's too much of an indu- uh, an inducement to stay 
in bed and hang out. No, nah, I'd go out on the veranda and enjoy a cup of coffee. <laughs> but first, yeah. we have to build a veranda. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm texting Bill Burns right now to see if he, see wears, if he wears pajamas. Bet you, he wears, you know, though, you see, guy. when you get pajamas for Christmas, pajamas. Um, <laughs> your pajamas. Yeah, I'll dry clean your pajamas. But yeah, so uh, they're, they're comfortable as just hanging around the house, but sleeping in them, I would find it too restrictive. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not. T- when I was a kid, warm. I did yeah. pull on pajamas. Does it yeah. say why millennials they believe, or what a general consensus as to um, why that's the case? It said, let's see here. the uh, The project manager, Joe Mercurio, uh, I, I said, can actually guess something if I if I may. Yeah. Uh, the 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 I think houses have generally be the, the atmosphere and temperature in houses is is more. Is better maintained these days. Well, yeah, that's what the, the nightcap was made to keep right. you warm. Right. So, so the the the, a, the aspects of keeping you warm with this clothing is less necessary. Did you look that up, or did you just know that? Uh, I the nightcap I looked up. Oh, right. you did. Okay. Um, I, I don't worry. I'm not that smart. <laughs> so, I don't know things like. So this that. guy. Oh my God, Bill Burns hey! is here. Mr. Pajamas. Hey, Bill, I didn't even see you walk in. You've got you you've got me so wrong. Uh, really? No are, way. Pajamas? Are you, are you completely naked? Close. Okay, so what do you wear? Boxers. Okay. Boxers. No t-shirt, nothing. No. Right. Boxers. Just boxers. All right. No, See, boxers. I saw pajamas and a warm glass of <laughs> No, absolutely not. Oh, what, am I, what am I, Calper? Yeah. <laughs> no. Oh, my God. No, Calper's just product. No, uh, Cal- Calper wears bikini briefs. Mm-hmm. Bikini something briefs. like that. Uh, I'm, a, I'm actually... I'm like, I don't want to get sick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually almost insulted. I, listen, uh, I'm sorry. You're, you're just. I, I'm There's so you, wrong with that. You're a suit guy. I always see we, you that way. Yeah, you, don't, I, you don't like that I put my feet up on the table when we uh, are I'm, I'm getting over that. Okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm, good, I'm good with that. The image is you that. with the big nightcap <laughs> and, and one of those candles that's in the little holder. You know, as you go to bed with a yes. glass of milk. <laughs> does my wife make my? Does she warm my milk and then bring it right to the bedside exactly. for me too? Well, she does what's good for her. She exactly. and her kerchief and I and my. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was him. Uh, so you just just boxers, just boxers. All right, just boxers. All right, fair enough. All, All right, right. Well, we misread you on that I'm one. Sorry about right. that. But Bill Weston, on the other hand, I wear an eye cap. Yes. Um, <laughs> so uh, th- let me get to this. Uh, your your question here, Steve. So uh, he surveyed over a thousand people across the country. Uh, 58% of whom he said to sleep in the nude. Nude sleepers also report better sleep quality than pajama, pajama wearers. Not surprisingly, men are more likely to sleep naked than women, though uh, more than half of women still report sleeping without any clothes. Only 39% of boomers, which would be of Me. our age range, yeah. your age range, Steve, yes, I'm sorry, uh, the 39% of boomers sleep in the buff, compared with nearly 65% of millennials, the survey found. Uh, relationships seem to relax people's sleeping habits, with 72% of nude sleepers Reported being in a relationship compared to only half of single people. See, I would think single people would sleep naked more often. Yeah, why not? Uh, more than half of people who sleep nude report that their partner does as well. All right, do you go to the bathroom in your bed? No. <laughs> All right, move on. Yeah, no. yeah. You know what's nice? If, if you go to bed naked and your partner goes to bed naked, there is that off chance that that will lead to morning sex. Sure. You know, and yeah. like this, if everybody morning is in the morning or M O U R N I N. No, with no, me no, it's no, always no. the second. Yeah. <laughs> Why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? Everything. All right, so, so, so here we go. Hold on. For right. for those who prefer pajamas, their reason 
uh, range uh, from staying warm to anxiety about being seen to just that's how I was raised. Okay. Nearly 70% of respondents who sleep naked said they do so because they're more comfortable without clothes. About 58% said nude sleeping was relaxing, and 54% said that it improves their sleep. So it's kind of vague, Steve. Yeah. Just like, ah, just like it that way. Just a percentage. There's no rhyme or reason to it. Yeah. Uh, you wanted me to go to line two, Case? Yes. All right. Let me get Cheryl on the line. Hi, Cheryl. Good morning. Hi. Good morning. How are you guys? Great. What's up, Cheryl? Well, married 37 years. My husband's a big man, you know, up 235. All right. At least. That's old. Even in the... No, no. <laughs> oh, wait. I'm sorry. Of course. Why did I even think that? <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, even in the summer when it's hot, he's in full pajamas, full heavy white undershirt under the top. And it's almost like a suit. Well, is he just, is he typically more chilly than other people that you find, you know, and, and needs to, no. to be warm? No. I would tell you he's a big, warm man. His okay. hands are warm. He's like an inferno. Okay. I do not understand it. I'm in like a little teeny sleepy and nothing else, you know, a, a, a strappy little nightgown. Ooh, yeah, strap on nightgown. I want to have sex. With the covers kicked off me, he is wrapped up. I don't know what it is. You're the antithesis of most couples I know. It's usually the the the, the woman yeah. who is bundled up like crazy, yeah, and um, the the guy who's the opposite. Now, press you you Thank wear you, Cheryl. you like to put on you have a whole bunch of pajama bottoms, right? Yes. What do you call? I mean, is that is that what they're called? Yeah, I call them pajama bottoms, yeah. or, or you know, yeah. Just jammies or whatever. Yeah, Jam, second, jams, jammy bottoms. <laughs> the second you get home from work, you put those on. I, I sometimes. You not, used to be like. I, I used to. Okay. Like I'd walk in the door. I was like the, the Goldberg. Yes. <laughs> I'd drop my drawers. <laughs> but, I, but I would put pajama pants on. Uh, but I don't do that as much anymore. But that is my, I'm not going anywhere for the rest of the day attire. If I find that uh, that I'm done with whatever I need to do and I'm not leaving the house, it happens to be like 2 o'clock in the afternoon, those mm. things are coming on, man. Do you know what I do? I come I home it. and the pair of shorts that I'm wearing, I almost always have an identical pair of shorts, and I will switch into those because I have my home shorts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I got you. That I can go do dusty things with, like change cat litter, All not right. my formal right. shorts. <laughs> right, your work shorts. <laughs> yeah, my work shorts where I'm trying to put a good image out there. Right. Let me ask the other men in the room your collective opinion on slippers. Mm-hmm. I- uh, <laughs> just in the in the winter, but not to walk around the house. Uh, they are, if I need to run outside real quick, if I got to take, forgot to take the, uh, the trash out. Or Why not around to, the house? Because uh, I'm... I don't need shoes on while I'm in the house. Do you guys know. go to the bathroom in your slippers? Uh, I don't wear slippers oh, in the I, house. I poop in oh, my slippers. In the yeah, slipper. Yeah. I no. will, I'll tell you this. <laughs> I, I to me, I will wear I will wear a more uh, worn down pair of sneakers or whatever in the house. Yeah, mm-hmm. I Nick, because I have uh, bad feet, I like to have slippers that have a um, a support, a, an arch. Not, not necessarily just pillows, just so so it's a, a softer. Sort of, yeah, yeah. So I have my Homer Simpson slippers. When you on. take your elevator chair up the stairs to your sit-in <laughs> shower, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you let shower. your first alert medallion hang out of it so that it doesn't short out in the water? Uh, Nick, I take it you're a slippers guy. Well, I like slippers in the house as my indoor shoes. So you, like you're, a, you're very uh, Asian, though. You're very Japanese. You wash your feet when you come home. I am very Asian. <laughs> and, and you, 
you have house slippers, basically. I have house like, slippers, like yeah. moccasins almost. Moccasins. Or, okay. Yeah, and I uh, LL Bean, and uh, when I uh, you have a kimono, I don't have no, but I'd love one. I when I uh, I look forward to slipper season, like when because you can't really wear them in the summer because that's uh, insane. Because yeah. your feet would uh, sweat too much. But like in the fall through, um, you know, the spring um, when it starts to get warm again, those are the months where it's cold out. I, just, uh, I enjoy the slippers. I just kind of walk around in socks and mm, in the house. That's not enough for me. Okay, I ain't walk yeah, around I in socks. cleats. Walk around in cleats. <laughs> Golf shoes. The I old, just like the sound. The old stiff spikes. The old metal spike shoes. Cleats will absolutely uh, ruin your wood floor. I've noticed. I learned that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, I got it. Yeah, let yeah, me go right? to this. I'm going to go to Bill. Uh, Bill, Hi. you are on the air. Good morning. <laughs> no. <laughs> What's up, Bill? All right, so you guys talking about uh, sleeping in nudes, sleeping in PJs. Yeah. I, believe it or not, am most comfortable wearing jeans and a T-shirt. To bed? To bed. Huh. How Do you do that every night? Every single night. Is that a fight or flight kind of thing that you're ready, uh, at a, you know, you're, you you want to be ready to... There's a deer in the house. Yeah, a deer yeah. in the house. That's why I keep my shoes on. Yeah, I keep your shoes on. shotgun for that one. Yeah, so <laughs> what, what, what do you, is, that, is that a psychological thing or I, care I, to I guess? It's, Just feel comfortable. All right. Well, there. Uh, thanks, Bill. There are some. There's something to some people like that. Um, sheathed. Yeah. That that kind of. Uh, I forgot. Um, uh, labia. Restricted. Not labia. Swaddled? I'm sorry, I was reaching. The swaddling. Swaddled. Maybe. Yeah. 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 To be yeah. swaddled. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That but kind jeans. Of, uh, yeah. That's what I mean. Baby Jesus wore jeans. Yeah. <laughs> I think. Yeah. You know, like me and my friends, we like to play sand volleyball on our jeans. But uh, yeah, that's. At, at the Top Gun Flight School. <laughs> Let me go to Jeff. Hi, oh. Jeff. You're on the air. Good morning. Hey, sorry to bother you guys at work. <laughs> it's, it's okay, right, buddy. What's up? Hey, uh, I had a friend of mine used to sleep naked until his house caught on fire. <laughs> yeah. And what happened? Well, he ended up, I mean, he had to get out. So he's standing out in his front yard, butt naked, watching his house fire burn <sighs> and the fire company coming on his way. Wow. And how long was he standing out there totally naked until somebody gave him something to cover him up? Well, I guess once the fire department got there, they got him a blanket and got him covered up. No neighbor could provide something until the fire department. (laughs) That's a bit of an extreme reason as to why a shooter should not sleep naked. Well, Well, what if your house sets on fire or perhaps a deer on fire wanders into your house? (laughs) I would maybe grab the blanket I was sleeping with. No, can't do that. (laughs) That's for the bed, Casey. Well, apparently two-thirds of uh, millennials are sleeping totally naked. So the majority of them in this particular survey. Uh, so interesting. So what you're saying is easy pickings. Easy pickings, ma'am. Here comes the MMRB. Wednesday from 5 to 8, join Marissa Magnata and Nick McElwain from MMR's Preston and Steve show and newlyweds from Camp Out for Hunger as Duncan hosts its first annual Duncan Love Event at the Blue Cross River Rink. Help spread the love with Duncan. Join the aforementioned Marissa Magnata and Captain Morgan Original Spiced Rum Thursday from 7 to 9 at PJ Willihan's in Maple Shade for the official Countdown to Cardboard Party. Register to win the Preston and Steve Cardboard Classic and PJ Willihan's VIP experience, including two rooms, four lift tickets, four passes for the VIP viewing area, and a spot on PJ Sled for their run down the tubing hill. 93.3 WMMR. Everything and everywhere that rocks. We're ready to welcome our next guest. Let's do it. I'm very, very happy to do this. 
Uh, I saw the trailer for this movie uh, a week or two ago, and I immediately went to you guys. I'm like, have you seen this yet? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, and we're pretty excited about the fact that there's a scene tonight with our next guest, who I believe we've had here before. We, we have early on in the career. It was yeah. actually at the, uh, the uh, another location. Uh, we're talking about the film Upgrade, and we'd like to welcome the writer and director of said film, Mr. Lee Wanell. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome Thanks back. Thanks for having me. Of course. After all these years. Yes. I, th- yeah. I think it was for as you and James Wan in the studio for Saw, I believe yeah, it was. Yeah, it was yeah. the first Saw film. We didn't know what we were doing um, in any regard, in any aspect of our lives. Um, <laughs> so that was fun. I was a lot younger then, and I remember on that press tour, I wasn't sleeping a lot. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of there was a lot of alcohol involved. Now was I'm there? too old for that. You'd be doing this. I'd be doing this interview from the hospital if I was <laughs> that pace? acting like I did back then on this tour. Yeah. But you, you guys, look at look at you. Look at what's happened over the years. It's, it's, it's James is directing uh, the. He just did the Aquaman movie, I believe. Yeah, he did. He did uh, Fast, Fast and Furious, Furious Seven, Conjuring. Like, yeah, you guys with Insidious together. You've written in, this is your second directorial effort. Insidious Three was your first. Yeah, an upgrade which looks. Phenomenal, and to me and to all of us, it has the 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 feel of the 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 joy uh, when we first saw RoboCop or, or the original Terminator or that kind yeah. of you know pr- sort of practical effects, but uh, yeah, enhanced enhanced people. Those uh, were my influences. Those, oh, were they? All those films that I grew up with yeah, in the uh, <clears throat> in the eighties. <laughs> you guys remember the eighties? Yes, we do. Oh, Barely. Yeah. If you remember them, you weren't there. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, my local video store was my church, and I used to go there and rent the Terminator, RoboCop, Scanners, the Thing, all these sort of practical effects-driven stuff. And I wanted I wanted to um, use those films as an inspiration for this one because I was making a sci-fi film that was not a big budget sci-fi film. You know, didn't have a huge amount of money to play with. Those can be those can be because of the constraints the best because they foster a creativity that I like I like to mix listen, we live in a CGI world, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> but I love the mix of practical with um with CGI. I love I love the blend of both because Absolutely. to me it just it's more interesting to watch. Yeah, I mean it's it's a great tool. Um it's it's like you can use it to augment things that aren't there, but yeah. it shouldn't be the only tool you know what I'm saying? Like, well, like in, in the movies, for, for example, Starship Troopers, the movie uses CGI effects for the monsters, but the ships are all real. Yeah. And they, they look cool. So in, in this case, in this, you have um, what's uh, Logan Marshall Green yep. is, is the actor, and he's who we remember from Prometheus, uh, and yep. uh, yeah, a very solid actor. He, he's a quadriplegic. His wife gets killed. Mm-hmm. And it's also another one of my favorite genres of films, revenge film. Yeah. Right. So it, it incorporates all those things. Yeah, but I kind of wanted to make a classic revenge action film, but wrap it up in this sci-fi story, you know? Which is cool. And there, as I was just talking to uh, our, our video guy, uh, Nick, here about it. Uh, Logan appears to, um, in the movie, he, he gets this enhancement as a quadriplegic that sort of controls his body. And right. he's almost a passenger in his own body, correct? Yeah, there is there is a moment in the movie. I, I'm not spoiling anything because it's in the trailer, but mm-hmm. um, somebody is um, beating the doot out of yeah, him, yeah. and uh, he, uh, <laughs> he stem, which is the name of the computer chip that's in his neck that controls his body, is like, you know, can I take over? Right, and he's like, <laughs> sure. As this guy chucks him, and then stem just comes online and sort of um, because this computer chip controls everything from the neck down, it can make him. 
in do. Well, he's just sitting He knows there. kung fu. Obviously. Yeah, and all yeah. of a sudden he's like just watching himself do all these things that he can't believe he's doing. So it's kind of. Um, it's how did you? How did you direct? How did you instruct him? To get to that physicality, because I remember, like with with the the uh, Peter Weller who who played uh, right. uh, Robocop, he had to. There was he went to and Mimes taught him stuff, but here he's got to look as if he's like responding to his own body, but it's yeah. not his body. Yeah, I mean, uh, he he was amazing, and that was the first thing I told him when I spoke to him on the phone for the first time. Is uh, I said I want your head to be doing something different than your body right. in certain sections of this movie, and he was so up for it, and. Uh, so basically how he achieved it is Logan really did a lot of training. He would send me all these videos of him moving and I would send him my thoughts and say, you know, less robot dancing, more just <laughs> move with the fluidity and grace of a ballet dancer. Right. So he was doing that. And then um, at, right at the end before we shot the film, the, the cinematographer said to me, you know, I did this music video last year where we locked the camera to the actor. We strapped an iPhone under their clothes to their body so that wherever they moved... The camera goes with them. Kind oh. of gives you this interesting kind of uh, effect where the the actor is the center of gravity at all times. Yeah, so yeah. Wherever the actor goes, the camera goes. That's cool. Yeah, and I was like, oh, this looks awesome. Let's try it. And so we used that for a lot of the action scenes in the film, and it kind of contributes to this computerized robotic feeling. Now, it's taking place, uh, appears to be a bit in the future. Yeah, it's, it's not too far in the future. It's like, you know, 15 years from now. So some of the people he's coming up against also have enhancements of their own. Yeah, exactly. So it's, 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 it's a world... I mean, we're sort of heading down this path anyway. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I wrote the first draft of this film, automated cars were still science fiction. Yeah. And now, in the in the years that it's taken to develop this movie and get it made, that's just become a thing now. Did, did you see the video of the, the latest Boston Dynamics robot? That oh, is, yeah, that's terrifying. It is. <laughs> it's just, it's oh, so, thank you. It's yeah. effing terrifying. Yeah, exactly. It's, it, 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 I, anyone who's a fan of sci-fi, I, if you're not terrified by that... But, you know, that's where we're going. I keep waiting for that moment when my daughter thinks it's perfectly normal to walk into the kitchen in the morning and be like, Alexa, play the Frozen soundtrack. Uh-huh. She just thinks it's normal that this voice is like playing the Frozen soundtrack. Yeah. But I keep waiting for that moment where it's just Alexa just flips and is like, all humans must die. Right. <laughs> By the way, speaking of Alexa, did you know that like she takes a log of everything that you ask her? And if you go to your app, you can actually go back see? in time and see everything that you oh, yeah. ever asked her, which... For me, is hilarious because uh, my mom lives with me now. And... So you can see what your mom's in. Oh, wait, wait, wait. God, Does your mom so... live with you or do you live with you? No, mom? no. My mom lives with me <laughs> okay. and my family. Okay. Yeah, it's different. Yeah. So it's more acceptable. But she's, you know, a 70 year old woman and she it, the, the things that she has to ask her. <laughs> That's and, so funny. And. You know, just sitting in the kitchen, she didn't realize that she had to, like, say her name every time she needed a command. So she'd be like, shut up. (laughs) Shut up. Well, you know, I don't know what I said to alert Alexa, but she laughed when we we were all in my kitchen and we were laughing. That's terrifying. And I, I thought, oh, my God, somebody came through my back door and turned around and realized it was her. I, I read about this. So you're you're an actual living case of because I read about this online that Alexa was just laughing. It'd be three o'clock in yes. the morning, and Alexa's like, <laughs> yeah. and "You're like that's not scary, not at all." <laughs> yeah. she, it was. We it's an anomalous thing that even Amazon had to do a little digging to find out. Why it was happening? I think it's some like sort of pranky coda somewhere. It's it's yeah. like, this will really mess him up because but, we we were laughing, so she was laughing with us. Oh my god! Yeah, but that's, yeah, that's this speaks to that. Judgment speaks- Day begins. <laughs> And, and Skynet and the whole yeah, thing. Skynet's on, just going online. Just gone online. But but this this speaks to that. Now, our, our inherent fascination with 
can we enhance ourselves? Preston was pointing, you know, talking about the line that Jeff Goldblum has in Jurassic Park, which is yeah, you th- uh, you were worried about whether or not you could, you didn't think, or yeah, whether or not you should. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that line always reminds me of um, Patton Oswalt, the comedian, has this routine where he's like, he's like, uh, we just made cancer airborne and contagious. You're welcome. We're science. Yeah. <laughs> like, More concerned with coulda instead yeah. of shoulda. Should have, yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. Think, I think that is the case with humans, where so often the architects of our own destruction were like, I just built this thing that blows up and takes out an entire city. That'd be good to have around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and so I, I'm wondering where this whole road is going of um, delegating everything to computers. Like, well, computers can drive my car for me and they can run my kitchen. And they can love my kids. Like, where does it... <laughs> right. Well, you know, well does it to go? that point, that's why you had people like... Um, I'm having a, a brain fart. A Tesla. Um, uh, Elon Musk. Elon Musk. Uh, Elon Musk is not a tremendous... Fa- even though the automated cars... The, 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 you know, he's responsible for a tremendous advance in that. He's he's very leery of AI, as was uh, Stephen Hawking yeah. and, 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 and this deal, because of what eventually it could be. I don't know if you're a fan of the series uh, Black uh, Mirror, yep, yep. but there was a, a metal head, I think it, um, yeah. I think it was called, uh, but it, it realizes a world in which it does get away from us. And it, I mean, that is a that is a stone cold chilling. I know, it's weird because, you know, Elon Musk, he, he's been saying like, you know, the biggest threat to humanity is AI, you know, bigger threat than North Korea, etc. And at first you're like, oh, come on, what movies have you have you been watching? And then you're like, wait, that's Elon Musk. He's <laughs> yeah. a pretty he's a pretty smart guy. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. he knows some things we don't. Yeah. So maybe we should be more worried about it if he is. Yeah, to that end, though, I, I watched this TED talk yesterday and the, the guy that was speaking said, it, you know, if uh, every insect on the planet died, Within 50 years, all life on the planet would cease to exist. If every human on the planet died, all life would re- return to the planet and flourish, right? So there's this would no... thrive. Would thrive, <laughs> right. Every other uh, life form would fly- thrive on the Not planet. Not a fan of that arrangement. <laughs> but but it's probably accurate. Yeah. However, what humanity has going for it is imagination and creativity. And and yeah. so to that end, there are there are stories like yours that can be told. And and I think that there therein lies the beauty of, um, of what you do. Yeah. What, I always love that line from The Matrix. The Hugo Weaving character is like... That, he says that machines figured out that humans were the cancer on the planet. Yeah. That's right. That's, that, that Mr. Anderson. That's my best Hugo Weaving in the Matrix. It's very good. Impression. It's very good. Okay, sorry. Uh, you, were in, you were in the, you had a bit part in the original Matrix or Matrix uh, It Reloaded. was the sequel. Okay. It was the second one, which I was very excited about. Um, uh, yeah, and I, I got two lines, which was cut down to one. Um, <laughs> I was shattered. <laughs> they actually spelled my name wrong in the credits, which Damn was very... Yeah. I was like, they, they, they never cared. They didn't care at all. What was your line? in the movie uh, it was how much time the guy I was now like guys come on in terms of delivery of that line that's, that's awesome. one of the better deliveries it's, it's, of that yeah. line Oscar caliber the guy I was with his response was 12 minutes so it was wonderful. Wow. Oh. You delivered both lines quite well. Yeah, you know, I could have played that role. But what line know, did they cut out? I think they <laughs> they cut out they cut out incoming. <laughs> and I remember the uh, the American dialogue coach because it was shot in Australia with all these Australian Australian actors doing American accents, and they had this sort of American for hire on set who would correct you on your R's. And she said, um, "You know, Americans don't say incoming. 
we put the emphasis on in. And I was like, no, you're wrong. No, I've seen you. enough movies. I know more than you do, American person. <laughs> you were right. No, we do not. That, we, we, some people Who say says, insurance, but they won't say incoming. Like, if you, yeah, if you're out in the war zone and the grenade's coming towards you, you're not saying incoming, guys. Incoming. No, that's not going to get the message across to Sergeant right, yeah. Stevenson. <laughs> exactly. Incoming! That's well, that, how you say it. That's why you do what you do. What was When you, when you and uh, uh, James Wan started working together, was that as a reaction to sort of, you know, as you as an actor trying to get a leg up, you just, we'll just create our own stuff. Pretty much. That was exactly it. He was, he wanted to be a director and <laughs> quickly found out after film school that people don't go around handing checks to film directors. Yeah. yeah. And we just were so frustrated that we, and this is the advice I always give aspiring filmmakers when they're like, oh, do you have any advice? I say, just make your own stuff. Just get a camera, get some friends and, and make stuff. Yeah. You know? Well, how much did Saw cost? Well, they the producers tried to tell us at the time it was a million dollars, but um, looking back, I think it was about twenty eight dollars. Uh, <laughs> it does look it is, but it's a perfect movie for right. for for a, a, those. And I always say, you know, we we talk, Frank Grillo's a friend of the show, and and the Purge movies, high concept, low cost. If it hits as Saw hit, yeah, you're the darling. And the horror genre is really um, friendly to towards low budgets. Yeah, yeah. Um, audiences, anyone. Yeah. Well, did you? I'm sorry because I want to stay on Saw for a second. Yeah, that could be. It could be a stage production. Yeah, it could. I mean, it's two guys chained up in a toilet, basically. Yeah, yeah. Right? So I, I think the Broadway version of Saw is a good idea. In it, fact, this with is the Nathan first time Lane. it's been floated. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nathan, Nathan Lane is Jigsaw. <laughs> I want to see I want to see the actor that has to lie still on the floor for the entire production. I know. Like, I oh, know. Jesus, I really had to sneeze during that one. Well, <laughs> like, two ribs trying not to sneeze during that run. Actually, that could work. I mean, it, it, you know, you have a, certainly a, a level of gore that you have to achieve. Yeah, you know? I mean, although it can... I saw this play years ago called The Lieutenant of Inishmore. It was written by the guy who directed um, Three Billboards outside okay. Edinburgh, Missouri, okay. Martin yeah. McDonough. And he's this great Irish playwright, but this play is so bloody and violent. It was at the intermission, half the audience just left. So it is possible. Okay, all right. So, <laughs> wow. so with with this film, and the reaction has been great. Actually, I was reading what was the one review of it, and it's um, from one of the genre mags says, uh, "Latest film upgrade is one of the most strikingly invigorated sci-fi uh, sci-fi watches." I have I've been awestruck by this film, and that has not happened in quite some times. And the reaction is is, is like that. For you, for your second film, writing and directing, um, is that is that a double-edged sword because it's awesome the reactions like that, but it's always with what you do in your career, it's what's next. Yeah, well, I mean, you have to try to enjoy reactions like that because films take so long to make. That right. I, whenever I hear a, a filmmaker in an interview say, like, oh, I just ignore the reviews, I don't understand that because, you know, you're putting so much of yourself into the film. You want to know how right. the world feels about it. But that review was... I remember that one. It was particularly great. And I remember my dad, I flew him over to the, we premiered the film at South by Southwest. So I was like, Dad, you come into Texas. Flew him over from Australia. And I read him that review and he goes, oh, that's great. Must have taken you ages to write it. <laughs> and and uh, which is just my dad's <laughs> sense of humor. But that was, the, that was one of the first reviews I read. And yeah, it's it's It's, it's what good. you want. So I, I don't want to kind of start thinking about what's next straight away. I want to kind of enjoy yeah. this movie. I mean, even just being here chatting to you guys, it's fun. It's it's fun to try to promote the movie, you know? Sure. If you're just jumping in, Lee 1L is here and uh, Upgrade is going to be in theaters. Speaking of writing, when you sit down uh, to create something original, 
Um, how do you make sure that somebody hasn't already done that and you don't know about it? There are so many people that write. Usually what happens is somebody will tell you. You'll get really excited about an idea and you'll pitch it to one of your friends and they'll say, yeah, I saw that movie last year. <laughs> that was." Uh... You have to worry about that because I, I, know I read an interview with you and you talked about your ability to shut off your director-writer and just enjoy movies on their visceral level and go in and be a fan and be in the audience and watch a movie and Absolutely. enjoy it. But with that, and I think with anything, like Preston, you know, I mean, a musician or anything, have I heard this before? Yep. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be the same thing with music where somebody's like, oh, yeah, great riff. I loved it back in 73 when... Uh, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Abba played it. Yeah, yeah. when Abba did it. And, and it's with, you know, the worst thing with movies is actually when you put all the work in and you're, you're shooting the film. So you, the train has left the station. You right. are doing it. And then you hear about a similar film coming out. Nobody wants to be on the set of Deep Impact when you find out Armageddon's coming out. It's like, yeah. oh, Jesus. It's, it, it, it's, it, is, it has happened. In fact, one of the classic wow. stories is two movie studios. One was working on a, a movie called The Tower. And the other one was working on a, a movie called The Glass Inferno. And the 20th Century Fox, the Warner Brothers said... Well, let's just make a movie together. Is that true? They yeah, actually so the, just combined. The Towering Inferno is a combination of two movie projects. That, that is the only example I've ever heard of two Hollywood studios being like, let's just be <laughs> yeah, friends yeah. and work right, together. Right, Usually yeah. it's like, let's ruthlessly cut the knees out from this Glass Inferno movie. <laughs> let's just costs. destroy it. And you remember back yeah. in, the, in the 80s, Lee, like, uh, there was like a series of uh, body-switching movies, <laughs> young yeah. and old, yeah. and there were like four of them. And the last one that came out was big from Tom Hanks. And it was the most successful. And one. that's the only one. Like nobody's walking around going, you know, that vice versa vice movie versa. was really just love Judge Reinhold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was, it was like big, bigs. That usually history, you know, uh, history is written by the winners, right? So yeah, big, truly, yeah. big is the one that everybody talks about. And uh, yeah, you know, it's like uh, not too many people are, are walking around talking about ants. It's it, a bug's life was the victor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was the victor in that uh-huh. little battle? And ants had Seinfeld behind it, didn't it? Was that no? His? That was the B movie. B movie. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. So nobody remembers B that movie. as well. Look at that. This program. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, was Fred Savage in the Judge Reinhold one? Yes. Yeah. yeah okay. He yeah, was. He the was. All right. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then there was a couple more. I'm there was one with Dudley like Moore. Dudley Moore and Kirk Cameron. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was that was the Kirk Cameron one before he started his other movie career. Yeah. Lee, is it? You're on social media, obviously. You know, I'm, I'm looking at your Twitter account right now, and I'm wondering if that is uh, um, can be landmines when it comes to creativity. Because I'm sure people tweet stuff at you. Mm-hmm. Hey, I've got this great idea, and you you basically have to ignore it and not even acknowledge it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like it can really get you in trouble, and um, it, 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 it it's actually a dangerous thing, especially now with social media, because everybody's making videos, putting them on YouTube, and the the sort of bandwidth for did you see that or not like the, if you wanted to present that case in court you could say hey I'm, I made a short film and this guy totally ripped it off and just ha- happened with Stranger Things oh really the, yeah it's, same thing and and now chronologically the I think the Duffer Brothers are the guys behind that or whatever yeah, they they were able to prove chronologically that they had submitted an idea that 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 was um, before this. somebody somebody said that somebody they ripped said, off their script yes yeah and and so it had to go to court it had to be litigated. But there's no, there's no, I think they didn't make it all the way, but I think, but, but still that presents a legal cost. Yeah. I mean, I do actually say that sometimes if someone says on Twitter, like, can you read my script? I'm like. It's a good way of saying I, I can't. I literally can't yeah, read yeah. your script just in case. It, it's it, it can be a, a, a bad deal. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So um, with the, obviously you know the the Insidious films, which are uh, which are great and uh, uh, continue to be so. Where it, does this franchise keep going and going and going? Because it is. 
uh, you know, the, of course, with always, I think the, the first couple are, are the best, you yep. know, uh, we love, uh, uh, Lynn, uh, she's phenomenal. Yeah. She's awesome. And she's, she's really the friend. reason, the reason they work. Yeah, she is. She, at this point, she's the glue that kind of holds that franchise together. I mean, it's interesting with, with sequels, cause I, obviously wrote that first Saw movie and then the producers made like um, I think 32 more yeah. Saw movies <laughs> yes. and, uh, and and at some point the, the third one was the last one I was involved with and right. I was like you know I uh, guys I'm out um, I, I can't think up any more ways to kill someone with a coat hanger and uh, and so they kept going so it's a weird feeling because I don't actually own the copyright to Saw but the producers kept making that movies. That kind of stinks. So yeah, it was. Is it, it was, like watching uh, a fr- your, your Doctor Frankenstein and your monster is out, has left the the, the lab? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Left. The, it's a weird feeling to be like driving down the street and see a billboard for something you created, but it's no longer yours. Yeah. Yours. Yeah. It's it's gone. So, but I'm not I'm not um, ticked off about it because. I'm just happy to be making films at all. That's that's the very definition of a champagne yeah. problem. Like, can you believe they're making sequels to my hit film? I mean, you think they've got a bad in Syria. So I, I, I definitely know to, to keep, sure, to keep yeah. my head in line with keep that it stuff. Keep perspective, yeah. With the Insidious movies, I think I have a better relationship with Jason Blum in terms of he he would always come to me first and say, do you want to make another one? Yeah, you know? I, I um, and this is no offense, I can't watch those movies. They, oh, yeah. they they terrify me too much. In in the horror world, that's a compliment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Preston would be in that world as well. I am a, I'm ravenous for them. I love them, and I th- I think that 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 first in, Insidious, especially because the combination of you and 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 James, the the directing skill. Yeah. When you take things, I, I think it's one of the great <laughs> aspects of horror, and you stick them in, so you have a scene that's in broad daylight in a living room. Yeah. Which is one of the biggest scares in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's, in, it, 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 as, as with that Texas Chainsaw Massacre with that first scene of Leatherface, it's in broad daylight in a, in yeah. a, in a pleasant, breezy sort of yeah. afternoon. That just, t- that throws you on your, on your ass. And uh, so you're obviously a fan of that kind of... Oh, yeah. This I is mean, not a place where you encounter this. I, I think you always have to consider, okay, what haven't we seen before? So with that particular scare you're talking about, I was thinking let's do something in broad daylight so the audience won't be waiting for it. Yeah, you know? yeah. Because it's audiences these days, they're pretty savvy. They can sort of outthink you. So you have to um, be thinking five moves ahead like, right. to, to stop them from predicting what you're going to do. And as horror fans, we appreciate that effort. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was in from the, like, I saw the trailer and I'm it, like, this is speaking to me. Badass, exactly yeah, right. It looks fantastic. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. It's great to see you again and continue success, sir. We appreciate you coming by. Thank you. Lee Winnell, guys. Yeah. What's new? Glad you asked. Disturbed. Are you ready? Are you ready? The Glorious Sons. New music. More of everything that rocks. On 93.3 WMMR. Now, WMMR presents Kristen and Steve's Bizarre Final. In Michigan at a Best Buy. They got the surprise on uh, Wednesday night when a special visitor came in. It was a six-point buck and managed to follow a customer into the store. Uh, the team leader, Aaron Ellison, said it was wild. Where are your HDMI cables? Uh, Ellison had just happened to be near the front door at the time. She said that she didn't realize what it was at first. Uh, she and the other Best Buy, uh, the others in Best Buy, quickly determined there was a deer running freely through the aisles. 
She said, we put some customers in our break room back in there. Oh, they got to see what's in the break room. They said there was a lot of screaming and havoc. The deer was running through the aisles. Well, a six-point buck at a full clip? It's dangerous. Very dangerous. Uh, it was knocking over items until it ended up in the back of the store. She said, we turned the fridges, turned we, we turned the fridges and used boxes and kind of gave him this aisle so that he wouldn't make it into the back into the store. It was in a panic because it was looking for CDs and they no longer carry them. Probably. Well, here's the deal. So it was they have tile in the store, and then oh. she said the deer couldn't stand or move. Wow! Because it was trying to move and was slipping. That's right, they do. Uh, so it eventually sat down. She said, and that's when employees moved in and ushered the deer toward the back door. I'm done. Uh, once on the carpet, he could stand again, and he went right out. There were no injuries to the deer or people in the incident. You wonder where these places are, you know, how, you know, like across the parking lot. No, I, I shouldn't talk. We'll see deer in the parking lot right yeah, here. Most definitely. Yeah. And lately, the past month, every morning I see, right, on minimum, at least five, and sometimes I see as many as in, a dozen. In the running season now? It might be running yeah. season. I'm not sure. Um, so I'm bringing up this story because we're actually, I think we're going to have somebody on from this particular team when we're in London. Uh, and an announcement was made that said, can the owner of a car blocking an emergency exit please speak to your nearest usher? Well, normally the offending vehicle is not owned by the goalkeeper who happens to be playing in a soccer match <laughs> oh, at <geez>. the time. <laughs> Dulwich keeper, his name is Preston Edwards, uh. ignored the announcement the first two times that his car registration was read out over the public address system in Thursday night's match between Dolmich Hamlet and Premier League Crystal Palace and a game was set up as a fundraiser. Uh, however, when the third message stated that the car was being towed, he couldn't concentrate on the game. He's playing in the game and they made an announcement. <laughs> His car is blocking. He turns to the crowd behind him and shouted, that's my car, <laughs> which only resulted in chants. The crowd started chanting, Preston, move your car. Preston, Preston, move your car. And that's clever. And eventually the car was safely moved by a member of the crowd. Edward said on Twitter, the first two times I ignored it, and the third time they mentioned it, uh, getting towed, that's when I panicked. He said that he had parked the car in the incorrect place because he was running late and saw no spaces. Uh, but sadly for Edwards, his team conceded five goals in a 5-0 to, to uh, defeat, or 5-0 defeat against Palace. Yeah, he was, uh, he was distracted. Yeah, yeah. A group of employees in Southeast China have been publicly shamed by their boss for failing to meet their sales targets. Bizarre footage has emerged showing 30 male workers stripped down to their underwear and parading around the streets in wow. the city, much to the surprise of nearby residents. Where is this? Uh, it's in China. Uh, they were uh, they were sales associates of a gym and had failed to reach their expected profit. So they marched them through the streets in their underwear. They did that, yes. Yelling shame. The scantily clad men were forced to walk, to do the walk of shame for failing to meet their sales quotas. Dressed only in their underwear, the embarrassed men were uh, filmed briskly walking in a straight line on the street. Wow. And apparently the manager said, I gladly accept the punishment handed to me by the company. Uh, our female staff do not need to do the walk of shame. They are required to do push-ups as punishment. Instead, he added, it's a good challenge for us, I think. Okay. According to the Article uh, 88 of China's employment contract law, employers are not allowed to humiliate and give corporal punishment to workers, Chinese government said on its website. The employers uh, will be liable for compensation if any harm is done, but... Chinese companies have been known for carrying out public humiliation rituals as punishment for uh, um, from crawling on the street to worm eating. So this is in violation of their own laws. It is, yes. Okay. But they do it anyway. Sort of like, is it sort of like a, a morale? So it's something, I'm looking at the footage of the guys here. It seems like they're sort of, they're, they're not 
totally browbeaten. It seems like they're sort of going along with it. But it, it's it's intended to shame. It's it's a punishment. Is for, it? Yeah. For not uh, reaching their goals. So that's what they're. they're Should we do that here? Institute yeah. that here. Mm-hmm. A man ate a Tide Pod and then destroyed $7,500 worth of hospital equipment during an out-of-control hospital rampage. Brandon McVeigh began yelling loudly while smashing four computer screens during treatment for swallowing the detergent capsule at Mercy Hospital. Uh, And his alleged spree of destruction began while hospital staff were treating him. They saw McVeigh trash both his own hospital room and a hallway, police said. Uh, McVeigh was finally brought under control when police arrived at the hospital, pinned him to the ground, and placed him under arrest. Listen, you can't do that. You're a smart guy. You eat Tide Pods. A uh, report noted that the building was strewn with smashed computer equipment and debris. McVeigh was charged with second-degree criminal mischief. And uh, earlier this year, of course, Procter & Gamble, who manufactured the capsules, issued a statement condemning the detergent-swallowing trend referred to as the Tide Pod Challenge. I didn't know anybody was still doing that. Yeah, it's it's a little after the fact, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yep. Mm-hmm. All right, and then one more story, and we will wrap things up. Let's go with this one. A Louisiana man was jailed this week for allegedly bilking the federal government out of more than half a million dollars. Authorities said it's one of the biggest inside thefts ever committed at the U.S. Postal Service. Jeez. Ryan Cortez was arrested at the North Kenner Post Office, where he serves as customer service manager. Now, a complaint alleges that Cortez stole approximately $630,000 in stamps and sold them on eBay at discount prices. Six hundred and thirty thousand dollars in stamps. You know, how many stamps yeah. would that be? <laughs> uh, and he did so to support a gambling addiction. Okay. An investigation into Cortez was launched earlier this year. When I pay- have a stamp scheme in mind. When PayPal and eBay notified federal authorities that he had been selling significant quantities of stamps in at least one, in at least one instance, ten thousand stamps with a face value of fifty cents each were sold. For uh, 38 cents each. How much less exciting would Ocean's Eleven have been if it was <laughs> a stamp theft? A subsequent investigation revealed that as Manager Cortez had increased the post office reserve stamp stock by more than $600,000. So uh, I, what I need to know is is what kind of storage. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking that's a, that's a F of a lot of stamps, right? Yeah. Yeah, they uh, they also found that he had made uh, regular ATM withdrawals at Harris Casino in New Orleans. Uh-huh. Authorities said it was determined that he had gambled and lost more than six hundred and sixty-seven thousand dollars since two thousand eleven. His gambling losses uh, from last year uh, amount to more than two hundred twenty thousand dollars, which is over three times his seventy thousand dollars annual postal salary. Dear postal God, salary. yeah. So, dear God, isn't that wild? Yeah. All right, and there you go. That is what I have in uh, this morning's bizarre file. 93.3 WMMR presents Jackson's Local Shots Artist of the Month, Dave Joyce. Celebrating our area's best talent. Bringing it to you on air, online, and in the community. Hear and see more at WMMR.com. Keyword Local Shots. Dave Joyce. Jackson's Local Shots Artist of the Month. Sponsored by Family and Company Jewelers. Find a band that rocks her world at Family. 93.3 WMMR. Everything that rocks. The trash business is a gold mine. 93.3 WMMR. With Preston and Steve's Hollywood Trash. 
The Trash, brought to you by Dunkin'. Girl Scout cookie-inspired flavors are back at Dunkin'. Enjoy $2 medium lattes and cappuccinos from 2 to 6 p.m. Preston and Steve run on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Limited time offer. Steve, what's going on this morning? Well, pro-gaming YouTuber Faze Sensor has split with Yannette Garcia, the woman voted both hottest weather girl, weather girl and best butt on earth by Mexico, so he can devote more time to playing Call of Duty. Said Sensor, quote, I am gay. A Charles Manson painting partially composed of the serial killer's ashes has ended up in the Museum of Ghost Adventures host Zach Baggins. Baggins says the painting is supercharged with paranormal energy and is not supercharged with paranormal energy. Oh, my God. And finally, Meghan Markle's annoying sister, Samantha Markle, telling Good Morning Britain that Meghan isn't the only family member to be courted by royalty. Samantha told co-host Pierce Morgan that she was once engaged to a king... Of Caesar salad named Alpha. <laughs> oh, that's great. Right. Your Hollywood track. All right. Over the weekend, the uh, St. Louis Cardinals had a game, and uh, their catcher had a nasty little injury that oh took place. Oh, my God. Uh, Yadier, is that how you say his name, Nick? Yeah. Yadier Molina uh, was placed on the 10 day disabled list on Sunday. Uh, he got hit in the balls with a 102 mile per hour pitch. From uh, reliever Jordan Hicks, I hadn't seen it until just now. Yeah, they got a good, they got a good slow motion shot of it, and you see the. Well, it doesn't even bounce. No, and it was tipped uh, by the the hitter, and it went down, and it just hit him. Oh my god! So he's ready to catch it. The tip knocked it down below his prepared glove, and it catches him right sub ball upper taint area yeah, and cause some and severe you can, damage. you can see the shock wave. Yeah. You see it move. Yeah. But now he's, he's wearing protection, Of course right? he is. He's yeah. wearing okay. a cup. He's wearing very thick panties. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because, I mean, honestly, if he wasn't, that... I mean, that would have been far... But still, well. it's surprising that, that... So as much as you think those things, like, you know, the protection is going to really... There ain't no way you're getting a ball at that velocity hitting you in your groin is not going to do some damage. And he had to be taken off the field and and uh, was there yeah. surgery right uh i don't know if there's surgery or not i saw um a hockey goalie who was that um i can't remember flat nuts mcgillicuddy no 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 but what he did is he put on a cup like you would see like that catcher wearing yeah so he had that on all right and then he put like a bigger cup over that right you know what i mean like so he, he was double cupped no no granted uh, hockey goalies are, you know, much more bulky, and, yes, and, and, and they, you know, baseball catchers can't be. Um, I, I maybe they can be, but I mean, that is a um, uh, that is a fear of mine mm-hmm. of getting yeah. a hockey puck slapped into your ball sack. A, a, a baseball, you a know, baseball. And, and I do because my my kids play uh, baseball and softball. Yeah, I'm around it quite often, and every now and again they'll ask me to, hey, can you catch this pitcher? I'm like, okay. Yeah, you know, you, you and were, I'm not wearing a cup. Is there anything that indicates, Nick, if there's any? Yeah, yeah, yes, yesterday, Molina went under uh, underwent surgery for what the team has called a pelvic injury. <laughs> uh, with, it's like a hockey saying there was a lower body injury. Right, right, yeah. Uh, but a pelvic injury with a traumatic uh, traumatic hematoma, and uh, he's on the 10-day DL, like Preston said, mm. but he's going to be out for at least a month. God, well, the thing, the thing about it now, if that, that hit him in the, you know, if that caught the cup, it, it may not be his testicles per se because, you know, that... The way that that cup is shaped, if 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 you you know sh- shove that into um, if if it pushes really hard, it could be like it could leave like a triangular it, bruise around. It could there. have ruptured the sacral region as the cup collided with the nut nut 
Chicolo Colors. Well, that I, thing. Yeah. No, no, I'm talking about like, you know, the the um like like the gap between your leg and your yeah, take and your and pants your, off and, and show your, us. Yeah, and your, okay. yeah. <laughs> the thing <laughs> is, it's not like okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. so it's not like the um the cup you know, like uh so it totally surrounds your, no, your area. No. Because it's the cup actually goes in kind of a sock thing, you know? Um, right, 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 right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it, it's and that not, goes inside a bustier. No, but the, and that just goes over <laughs> your balls. So, right. Uh, you know? Yadier Molina uh, has, has a brother named Benji who's also a catcher in the majors. He's not in the bigs anymore, but he um, was visited with his brother after the surgery. And this is a direct quote. He says, doctors were able to save both of Molina's testicles. Okay. Oh and uh, the surgery right, lasted. So it was an injury to the testicles. Yeah, the surgery lasted 45 minutes. And uh, so, but that was a concern going in was that they might have to remove one. Well, because if you look at the footage, again, as, as it. As as it goes down, that's a, it, it's hitting right in the lower ball, upper taint reach. I'm using medical terms here, yeah. so you need to follow along. But, yeah, you can clearly see that's where it hits. Did you guys see? Uh, it, it was on, I, I saw it on Facebook Boom. last month. Oh, geez, I can't watch it I anymore. Know. Uh, it was on Facebook a couple of last months, last, last month where these two guys were in a kickboxing match, uh, two Asian guys, and maybe 20 seconds into the match, the dude just hauled off and kicked the other dude straight in the balls. And I, I it looked like his, his nut just blew up the size oh. of, a, of a grapefruit. Like right there? Yeah, right there. In the, in... So they both sat down and had breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, match is over at that point, yeah. They don't have a spoon and some wow. sugar? Wow. It's it's amazing, too, because the... the... <laughs> Again, Steve, to use technical terms here, the the grazing of the balls hurts more than a direct punch sometimes. Oh, yeah, a nut tap. A tap. A nut tap can do far more sometimes than a direct... It's almost like the, 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 the common belief is that had the Titanic pointed directly at the iceberg, it would not have sank. Mm-hmm. It was the grazing yeah. That's that good sunk the Titanic. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't think I've had enough experience to say... Like a full-on punch? Well, yeah, I, I mean, I've, I've had, I've had. You're moments. not a ship's captain, Preston. Obviously, but I can't say that the that the graze hurts more than the actual full on. Oh my boy! Well, I, I don't know. I think they both got to hurt pretty. Oh, damn they're both bad. unpleasant. Yeah. I would think that the full on punch would hurt a lot worse. Well, at one time when I was in eighth grade, some girl for no reason uh, just hauled off and and kicked me right in the balls for and, no reason. For no reason. Wow. We, we, were, we were at a birthday party. We were at Jay Matthews' house. You didn't and do anything to her? No. Nothing. No, 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 no. You didn't mention Mel Mac out of turn? <laughs> I might have been talking about Al. <laughs> Who was she? Uh, I don't want to say her name. Well, maybe she can she, call in and explain. I don't even know if she'll remember. But I don't want to say her name because she's nice. She is a nice human being. She, I don't necessarily she, know. She, she shouldn't be kid. known as a ball kicker. Yeah. Okay. Um, but, uh, but she hauled off and kicked me straight. <laughs> In the nuts, and it hurt really, really bad. And then another time, and I've told you guys about this before, she where I got, you, you know. I got double bounced off of a uh, trampoline. You know, I went a good five yards up in the air and came straight down on the post. Mm. When we were in college, uh, we had a friend named Dave, and uh, there was a girl named Christy who had a crush on Dave. And we were all drunk at a party one time, and Christy's like, I can't get Dave's attention. I can't get Dave's attention. I really want him to like me. So the advice that we gave her while intoxicated <laughs> was... Go up and kick him in the balls. Oh my god! And so she did. She went up and she hauled off and she kicked him square in the nuts. Oh my god! <laughs> Dave bent over, as you would imagine. Oh yeah, doubled over in pain. And uh, she's like, "Why'd you tell me to do that?" And we're like, "Why'd you listen?" But you, uh, she got his attention. Yeah, that's a guy. If she was unaware of the ramifications of a full ball kick, um, yeah. she probably shouldn't have been with him in the first place. Wow, you know what's funny about the full ball kick is when when I was in you know, like middle school, high school, and so on and so forth. If you were to ever Face, you know, getting in a fight. Yeah, that was an absolute 
unwritten rule, no, no. 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 And, you, if, and if you did that, you were, I mean, like, it, it would, you would be, uh, you'd be exiled. Ostracized. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Because it's you, complete breach of protocol. Yeah, yeah that but, it's just flat out not fair. And I would think that's even if you were full on defending yourself. Yes, you know, yeah, because. You would be considered a pussy if you did that. You'd be a pussy. You'd be, it was uh, the, the dirtiest of tactics. And, and I think probably you would have been, you would have. They would have considered you losing the fight. Yeah, yeah, I don't think that exists anymore, though. No, I think, listen. Like, I think nuts, if it'll get you out of a bit, you know. You're allowed? Yeah, I, I would well, what think if so. You, what if you have no chance in this fight? You know what I mean? Like, you're if you're, def- if you're, listen, if you're, you're if you're defending yourself. for your life, mm-hmm. all, all, but if it's an after school, but if even if, an, I don't even know if they exist anymore, I would, you know. I yeah. mean, I, I couldn't imagine, you know, like my, my son is, is uh, on the shorter side. If he had to, like, fight a, a sixth or seventh grader who, had size on him, and and he had one choice and one choice only to end this thing. So yeah, you know, yeah, Kick oh, him yeah. In against match against equals a- yeah, against equals. Yeah, no way. But yeah. if if I mean if there, there's a total mismatch, yeah, you better guard your balls because that's what I'm going for, mm-hmm. bro. Uh, bro, let me I'm see. Me, <laughs> I'm gonna go here. Uh, Jack had to get one removed uh, oh, from a, from a, a, an incident. Hey, Jack. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Hey, what's up, buddy? Oh, between ninth and 10th grade this summer, I was at the YMCA going off the high dive like a hundred times. Mm-hmm. And that last time, as soon as I hit the water, I knew something was wrong. Oh, no. And what happened is it got twisted. Oh! Ow! So throughout the night, it was just getting bigger oh and God. bigger, more swollen and more swollen. And by the next morning, it, I mean, it was like you guys had said, it was big as a grapefruit. Wow. The, so, so just the process of, of hitting the water twisted it around. Yeah. Jesus. So you go to the hospital, and I guess. So I was brought to the I was brought to the hospital where they said this is going to hurt, and they 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 just twisted it back, and it did hurt. I I passed out, <sighs> and then I was admitted to the hospital. And for three days, they were just trying to do all these different things, ice. Whirlpools. Yeah. Luckily for you, the best nut man in the business was in the hospital that day. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, so they did end up removing it, and at, before they removed it, they said, "Okay, if, if we're going to go and try to try to keep it, if we can't, do you want a prosthetic one?" <laughs> so at they do have them. Whether I wanted to have a fake one put in or not. And what was your decision? My decision was any girl that's going to go there, I'm either going to be in love with or don't care about. Yes. And I chose not to have it. Okay. okay. All right. And, Jack, what was, uh, I mean, word had to make it around the school after that uh, had occurred. So what was uh, life like after that? You know, it, it actually, I just, I owned it. You know, I, I, you know, it became a topic. It actually worked in my favor. You know, some, some girls, you know, wanted to see. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> there you go, man. That's never a bad thing. Yeah. Three daughters later, it all worked out. All right. Yeah, okay. No stopping you, man. Any nicknames that came up from that, Jack? Uh, he, oh, yeah. Lots of one ball. Yeah. Uni ball. Yeah. yeah. Guys are very clever. Uh, aren't they? <laughs> hey, one ball. Hey, one ball. Hey, because you have one ball. We call you one ball because you're one ball. <laughs> one of the first texts we got was, one nut Jack. Yeah. Uh, that's... One nut Jack, but one ball guy that you are. Yeah. <laughs> hey, one ball guy. Hey, because he has one ball. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Jack. Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, yeah, guys, go with the simple. Uh... Honestly, I mean, if I had like a testicular cancer, I had to have something removed. Yeah. I would have to tell everybody that I had prostate cancer or something like that because for the rest of my life, I was cooler. Well, no, I mean, but, you know, Cruck, you always hear about John Cruck and Lance Armstrong. 
I don't want that being my legacy. Tom Green. Who Tom, Green. Tom Green. Yeah. I don't know, man. They, they, apparently with Jack, they were lining up to see his uh, his junk. <laughs> a good point. Yeah. That's a, uh, you know. And, you know. It's an opportunity for some people. For All some right. people, some people may voluntarily have one removed just to have something to talk about. <laughs> Let me go to let me go to Mike J. Mike, you are on the air. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. What's up, Mike? Hey, a few years ago, I was involved in a motorcycle accident, mm-hmm. and I flew over the handlebars, and I busted out my pelvis. Mm-hmm. I had to have plates put in, a couple screws. Oof. Well, during the operation, the blood had pulled, and it pulled down to my sack. Uh-huh. It was as big as a small kickball that kids use in a playground so like oh a red like a red spalding God. all right all right so give me give me your best guess diameter of this thing it, it was i never got really got to see it they didn't give you a tape measure <laughs> what, well one nurse would have to lift slightly up and another nurse would put a sheet underneath of it to take the weight off of it oh my God. oh, oh good lord and Dear lord was, that happened. That was uh, for maybe about a week and a half. Oh my and god! And sort of subsided. Uh, they didn't have to drain it or anything, Mike. No. Wow. Listen, we're going to have to drain it for you. Wow. And that's when the uh, the slow jazz music comes in. <laughs> that, but that would not seem enjoyable. It, your your it, testicles it the size of a cake ball. We're going to have to drain it for you. Thanks, well, Mike. The, the testicles. Oh. It was just a skin blown up. of blood. So they yeah at a certain point. Uh, you have to tap that blood out, right? Or does it get reassimilated back into the body? It it just absorbed. They said it would absorb back. <sighs> Did it turn uh, uh, reddish, purple, black, or what? It was. I was told it was a bruised look. Like bruised. Look, yeah. yeah. Purple balls. Purple balls. Come on, everybody, raise up your hands. Man, that's nasty. Uh, let me see, and I'm going to code two. Here we go. I am crossing my legs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> horrific. Uh, John. Hey, John, good morning. Hey, it's Kate. Hey, <laughs> Kate. <laughs> Kate's on the phone. That was fast. What's up, John? Good morning, guys. Uh, so, um, um, I was in high school, um, and this was in a, uh, when balls happened was all the rage. Yes, uh, all the rage. Yeah, so um, uh, I was stretching up against the lock, you know, arms above my head, you know, just stretching 7 o'clock in the morning. One of my buddies literally drops to one knee, ball taps me square on, two nuts. So I drop to the ground, rolling back and forth, can't breathe. Teacher comes up to me, John, stand up. Uh, rolling back on the ground, can't breathe. I get two side uh, detentions because I would not listen to my teachers telling me to stand up. You had a ball tap. You're in the throes of the agony of said double ball tap, and the teacher would not hear your reasoning? You got it. Huh. Wait, your parents didn't back you up on that, John? Uh, it wasn't worth it. I just took, <laughs> I just took my lumps and... Wow. You're, you're, yeah. I okay. would have fought tooth... I would have fought nothing nail. Or Thanks, whatever. Man. I, I wasn't the most... Uh, Reputable student. Back okay, then, so, you, you uh, had a reputation. Oh, I got you. Right. Got you. Enough said. By All the right. way, ball tap. If you're going to do it, uh, it's got to be the back of the hand. He he can't do it with the. Uh, Otherwise, you're you're you're, you're, a, you're a male prostitute. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, what is that? Is that part of the rule? Yeah, yeah. you can't. Uh, otherwise, you cut just, them and squeeze them harder. Yeah, yeah. Feeling your friend's yeah, balls. Yeah. 
So you got to do this? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't. That was we, too hard. That was... You got to go a little bit lighter than that. All right. Well, I was I was hitting your hand. I, I know I was going to hear. I gently massage. The, the ball tap did not exist amongst my circles. We, that never happened. No, no, we we actually eluded the ball tap. With the, the there was a, a tremendous amount of respect for your testicles. Yeah. when I was a young man. What about Things the, have changed these days? What about a finger in the butt? No, that was when I was. Uh, yeah. That's when I graduated. <laughs> yeah. from high school. That was amongst the band members. Uh, the um, the yeah. cheese curl. What, what do we call it? Yeah, cheese curl. Yeah. But, uh, we called it the surprise. The rectal police like baton. Yeah. Uh, let me go to. Do, 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 do. There's a number of good oh, ones. I love you the various it. sizes that the inflamed, engorged testicles. That's have what to. I'm seeing too, Steve. Let me <laughs> this, go. To, this one is amazing. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go to Eddie because we've since stepped it up a bit here. Hi, Eddie. Good morning. Hey, good morning. How are you? Good. My name's Eddie. I'm from Balsam, where it's always awesome. <laughs> hey. Okay, he's from Balsam, where it's always awesome. Is that is that a local saying? I don't know. Yeah. I grew up by Balsam. Right. I never heard that before. All right, Eddie, you were in a car accident. Yes. I, I was coming. I was coming on 95 from an exit, and the car stopped in front of me, and I stopped. I swerved over, and I ended up upside down. I had my my seatbelt on. I took my seatbelt off, and I fell right on my head to start my brain. And and it went down to my junk. It became, I guess, elephantitis or whatever it's called. Gingeritis. Yes. No, so you, yeah. had, you, had, you had elephantitis, li- no, an elephantitis-like no. condition in your nuts. Injury doesn't, in, elephantitis it's, doesn't It completely causes, <laughs> Preston, car injuries routinely <laughs> cause elephantitis. Okay, so right. let's go, for the purposes of this story, yeah. we'll okay. go with that. Major so, but, injuries cause you to have elephantitis. Okay, and I started hurting my man junk. I went to the hospital. Man junk. Right away, they grabbed me and threw a catheter in. Oh. They, they know exactly what was happening, what was going on. Right. They put, they put me in my hospital bed. I was there for eight days. As I was there for eight days, they kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I became a sideshow at the hospital. Every nurse doctor came over, pulled my sheets back, and said, oh, my God, they're huge. This one doctor came up to me and said, they're, 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 they're big, but not, they're not the biggest I've ever seen. They're like a women's basketball. The biggest I've ever seen was a men's basketball. I thought they were going to explode. I said, "Well, hand me that stick, Doc. I want to break the record." But uh, he didn't. He didn't hand it to me. So what uh, stick? I, I, I was the second biggest of all time. They became as big as a woman's basketball. Okay, so he he had he had various charts that represented basketball sizes, yeah. and they would yeah. hold them up next to your testicles. Yeah, that's what he was saying. That's what he was saying. Balsam, ladies and gentlemen. It's always awesome. Balsam's always awesome. Yes. Uh, Well, listen, but that's good advice, though, Kathy. Mm -hmm. Remember, besides the device that could break a window if you drive off a bridge, be aware that elephantitis can occur at any time while you're driving. Yeah, Casey, give me that stick. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's just kind of sticks just hanging out in the hospital room. Every doctor carries a stick. Here's a WNBA ball, not an NBA ball. Right. Mm-hmm. You'll notice the difference in size. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you see that uh, movie, uh, The Day the Earth Stood Still, that huge ball in Central Park? That's how big my ball was. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me go to, I have uh, John next, John M. Hi, John, you're on the air. What's up, whores? Hey. hey. <laughs> What's up, man? I got a, I got a real feel-good ball story. Nothing bad. Okay. We would love a good feel-good yeah. ball story. Doesn't everybody? Yeah. I have uh, I'm a third ball, actually. Oh, wow. You're a pawn shop. You have about, three? About, oh, yes, I do. About 30 years ago, I was fiddling down there a little bit, and um, I, I felt something, and I was like, oh, my God, I have three balls. I have three balls. And my friend's like, you better get that checked out. Mm-hmm. So I went to the doctor, and 
you know, it was a, I was a May. It was the sun was going down in the background. He's like, all right, drop your pants. And I'm just really embarrassed. So you had, you had the examination outside? He's, no, no, I was just looking out the window. Oh, okay. Beautiful evening. <laughs> and uh, he started sitting around. He's like, one, two, three. I'm like, Oh my God! Wow! Here's hey, get the stick. Yeah, bring the stick. Where's my nut stick? Not like a full ball, and it usually hangs out like left side of my sack. But sometimes it travels around. They're bringing my nut stick. If my gonad doesn't know that, I call it. It wanders aimlessly around my sack. So, John, what is? I'm sure there's. Is it a cyst? Is it like, or is it? I got it checked out when I got my, um, what is it, a hysterectomy, or I got a You and you had a hysterectomy? You had a hysterectomy? What are you, what's I got to tell you something. Your doctor's taking you for a ride. John, are you? You're going to notice that your menstrual cramps are going to disappear. Real quick, Folsom. Are you from Delco? No, no, Northeast Philly. Okay. Oh, that's closer to Okay, wow. so, so, so you have your hysterectomy <laughs> to remove your third testicle. Go yeah. ahead. Go on. No, I, not, no, I don't want to remove it. I want to keep it. That's my, that's my go-to. Oh, oh, see, generally, okay. hysterectomy is a removal process. I, I'm sorry. I assume yeah, one of your I, testicles I, I, was being removed during your hysterectomy. So you know what his balls are like? It's like you ever play that BB game where you want to get the BBs in the eyes <laughs> yes. and the whole thing where you're rolling around? That's what he does. So you, 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 have like a, you have a third ball that sort of moves around? Yeah, it's a gonad that's a nomad. A gonad that's a nomad. How many times you use that line? <laughs> I like that. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> <a doctor. laughs> that line is actually written on the side of the nut stick. No, there's got to be a, th- there has to be, you know, like you have superfluous nipple yes. and so forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There there's has something. to be a medical term for having an additional testicle because it is not. Steve, you and I, you may not remember this. Thank you for your call. By the way, John, it was wonderful. <laughs> um, we were doing an appearance at a place. It was one of, we, we don't get down to Delaware too often to do a Appearances, and we were at a nightclub, and I, I have no idea if this place exists. I don't remember the name of it. It was a calendar raid. There was a ton of people. A ton there. of people. And at some point, when we were almost done, some dude tells us he's got three nuts. Yeah. And he took it out and showed it to okay. us. Do you remember yeah. that? I do Show not. Me I do oh, I not. I, I, you'd think I would remember something like that. Uh, in fact, I remember David Faustino. I asked him to show <laughs> it to the crowd, and uh, and there were a couple of cops there, and they kind of had some fun with us, and they pretended like they were going to arrest, yeah. arrest us for, um, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, indecent exposure, indecent yeah. exposure yeah. and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, but the guy had three balls, man. Hey, do you remember, Preston, did, just, uh, what did it look like? I don't remember. I, it looked like a nutsack. I, yeah. I don't know. With yeah. three lumps in it. I don't really remember. Uh, polyorchidism. Yeah, but I don't I don't necessarily think that's what this guy had. This is actually three testicles. Okay, Poly- you think had something else? Yeah, like his had to be a, a cyst or something. Is the incidence of more than two testicles in medical li- literature? The superfluous pamphlet, I think it is, for, for a third nipple? I think that's... I don't Super, know. Okay. Uh, you, you know what? Let's ask the doctor. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Why don't we do that? Of course you do. What's happening? Anytime you talk about balls. <laughs> Dr. Mike's Regalado, Pet Medicine of Fox yeah. 49 on the phone line. Good morning, Dr. Mike. Oh, my ball. Yeah. <laughs> ball. Oh, my ball. Listen, yeah. I think now I just, you know, I go from patient to patient. I come in my office <laughs> and I hear the strangest, wildest things yes. on your show. So anyway, I think this guy has a scrotal pearl. And, and I have a patient that had that. And it's um, they, they, they are little um, benign calcifications in the scrotum. 
Uh, and and uh, okay. they're, they're nothing to worry about. Now, I must tell you, though, if anyone out there is listening, uh, you know, if you have a third testicle, you need to get it checked out. And I, I, I found one in a patient one time, and I said, sir, did God give you three testicles? No. I started with two. I said, well, yeah. well if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I yeah. said, well, it turned out to be testicular cancer. So, right. So the bottom line is if you feel something down there that hasn't been there, you need to get it checked out. But I think that this guy has a, something called a scrotal pearl. I, I have one patient that I noted that on. And, and Let they, me ask you, uh, Dr. Mike, is, is there is there uh, are there occurrences of a third testicle in, the, in patients periodically? I suppose I, I've never come across one. Uh, where I mean, every now and then you have somebody who has a third kidney, so I can't imagine it's, you know, completely. My father has. Might be anomalous, but. Three kidneys. Well, a lot of people get confused because sometimes they have epididymal cysts and things like that. But the, the, the or uh, they, they have large scrotums with hydrocele, yeah. things like that. But the, the bottom line is, especially in young men, men in their 20s, especially in 30s, you need to get that checked out because that's the time when testicular cancer kicks in. Mm-hmm. All right. That's, okay. that's good advice. Uh, so, but but to, to the point of like the, uh, the, uh, the catcher who, who got hit in his, uh, his scrotum, I don't know if you heard the earlier part of the story, uh, he's, he is uh, going to be recuperating for a month. It's obviously a severe bit of damage, correct? Well, when you take trauma down there, one, it's extremely painful, mm-hmm. and you can have all kinds of things. You can have hemorrhages. You can have uh, uh, significant problems, which can not only uh, lead to infertility, but it can also lead to uh, significant trauma. And uh, one, I had a patient jump out of a window and landed on a fence right right in the Oh, down my there. God. And, and uh, created all kinds of problems. Sometimes they have to remove a testicle. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Dr. Mike, what year of med school do they give you the uh, the nut stick? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the hell. <laughs> I I, isn't that the thing in in your lobby that's uh, got the leather strap on it, the nut stick? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I, I I never measured. I, I mean, I never had a stick. Yes, I don't know. It's it's probably a different type of medicine. Oh. Yeah, it's probably it's probably Eastern nut <laughs> stick. <laughs> Maybe uh, it was a colonoscopy. It's possible. Oh a butt stick is obvious, but not yeah. a nut stick. Uh, I, I never heard of that. Yeah. Okay. Oh, my God. Anyway. All right. Well, you look, the best. Take care. I love you guys. Love, love you. you. Love you, Dr. Mike. I'll see you. All right. We'll see you. Dr. Mike's very bad. Taking good care of me, by the way, all of us. He was checking on me all weekend. He's great. I, I start it's a none better. I start a, a whole host of doctor's appointments this week. Not for oh, do you? I'm, not a, not for I'm sick. Not what I'm sick from. But just uh, are you going to have to do another uh, MRI? Oh, probably. Who's uh, your stickulist? Uh, I don't have a stickulist. <laughs> What's wrong? What are you going to the doctor for? I'm like, I'm getting stuff checked out. I'm getting my back checked out, getting my hearing checked out, getting, you know, just do, you know, there's different, going, going to the sleep doctor. There's changes just, that are, let's I'm, just I say. I turned 50. What? There may be a different Preston coming on the horizon. <laughs> Prestolina? <laughs> hey, Prestolina. I don't know. How do you girls do it? Oh, how do you? I spent the weekend in heels, man. So <laughs> let me did. walk them out. Right. Uh, speaking of which, one of the people with the, at the Walk of Miles, this guy, uh, Pope Mike, who's on the line. Uh, that is you, isn't it, Mike? That's your nutsack. <laughs> <laughs> Mike at the cardboard classic was the Pope. If you've ever yes. seen the video yeah, yeah, footage yeah. of him, and he came All out, right. to, he came out to the uh, Walk a Mile in Her Shoes event. How you doing, Mike? 
Doing good. A little, little bit blisters on the big toes. <laughs> yeah, I hear you, man, from the heels. All right, so anyway, you uh, you have one testicle. Yeah, back in 2010, something didn't feel right in the shower. And got the urology appointment a month later. He said, in 30 seconds, he says, uh, what are you doing tomorrow? You're uh, one nut's coming out. Whoa. Wow. It was that soon, that quick of a turnaround. Yeah, well, they uh, they verified it with an ultrasound the next day. Yeah, and with an eight with an eighteen year old intern, by the way. <laughs> uh, so anyhow, you had you had testicular cancer, so they got it out right away, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you're all hunky dory uh, now. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's it's very yeah. if it's caught, it's very very survivable. So and you know what? And, and as Steve was pointing out, gentlemen, who uh, us guys are so creative with nicknames. Did you be did you become one bald Mike <laughs> from your friends or? Yeah. What? When when I got back to work, it was like a a big party. It's not like a you know a girl when you have breast cancer and everything's. It's it different, yes. It's a different tone. Yeah. You're down yep. one nut. Became one nut, Mike, in two seconds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's how nut, guys do it. Like, he's got one nut. There's. <laughs> hey, hey, he's got one nut. <laughs> 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 Yeah, he's, hey you! Hey, he's got one nut. It's called one nut, Mike. Hey, what do you say, fellas? <laughs> All right, um, old one nut, old one, nut. old one nut. Uh, this is interesting. Let me go to Charlie, uh, who had an occasion. Hi, Charlie. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, what's up, bud? When I was uh, about twelve years old, I was um, in a coffin fit, yeah. smoking something I shouldn't have been smoking. Uh huh. And I sneezed at the same time oh, no. as I coughed, uh-huh. and I got extreme pain. And my uncle literally carried me to the emergency room uh, to the Methodist Hospital. Uh-huh. They looked at me for two seconds and sent me to Jefferson. Okay. Apparently, I had some kind of a rupture where it twists. And get stuck in the wall. Like the guy who was on the diving board. But this is just from you coughing and sneezing at the same time. This is a ball issue. Take him to the Methodists. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. <laughs> no, don't go to the Methodists. Yeah, go yeah. right to Jefferson. Go to Jefferson. When they looked at me, they said it's a rupture and I'm losing circulation. So wow. it was an immediate operation. Wow. They gave me Valium and Demerol and sat me in the emergency room. Yep. And that relaxed me enough that it came down on its own. Yeah. But they still rushed me. They still kept me for a couple days and did surgery. They stitched it to the bag. So it wouldn't happen again. You're using all uh, medical terms. Yes. Uh, I would say but this. The they, they do say there is a self-diagnostic <laughs> series of things you should check. For example, if you're lying in grass <laughs> and your balls hit your ass, that's a rupture. That's a rupture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I was heard if you were sliding down a wire and your balls catch on fire. That's a rupture. <laughs> that's a rupture. What happened? Or if you're coughing and you sneeze. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you're sliding down a rope and your balls start to smoke, no, that's, that's also a, a rupture. rupture. Yeah. So these are the things to remember. They're all in the medical... Journals. If you're going down a slide and your balls collide, that's a rupture. That's a rupture yeah, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Consult with your doctor. Yeah. Sorry, right. Tennessee. You may need it. These are just a handful of things that you can do on your own to check and see if you have indeed had a rupture. Um, I've turned my life around <laughs> now that I've learned the rules for ruptures. Uh, let me go over here to Bob. Hey, Bob. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, what's up, Bob? Um, uh, not too much. The day after my vasectomy, uh, I went to my nephew's birthday party. 
And my nine-year-old nephew decided that would be a good, good time for the first time ever to punch me in the balls. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. First time ever? Uh, oh, my God. So you... <laughs> just, I, long, I, I, I saw it in slow motion, and I was like, oh, my God, this is happening right now. How, how old is the kid? <laughs> he, he was nine at the time. So you're, you, judging by what I saw Casey and uh, Preston go through, you're, you're, you're in the, you're, you, at that point, you'd still be in the icing your crotch realm, right? Yeah, with the peas and yeah. everything. Yeah. What were you even doing out of the house, yeah. Bob? Yeah. Uh, the fact is not too bad. You can just you can go out. Could you guys no, you have gone? Because yeah. a nine-year-old will hit you but in, in the, the balls. balls. I uh, listen. I was overprotective the day yeah. that, like, the several days after getting my vasectomy, I'm just like, this is my space. Everyone, stay out of it. I'm going to be over here, and I'm not going to move. Don't touch. Don't me. touch my balls. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I I was moving gingerly, but uh, once he did that, I just I basically collapsed right onto the floor and didn't move for 15 minutes. Sure. So it was it was awful. And then you know my nine year old got beat by my my sister. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, funny end to the story. My my nephew was beaten. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Thanks, Bob. Appreciate it. But wow. the story turned out funny because my nine year old, who was totally oblivious to what had happened, was beaten mercilessly. Uh, I have time for another call here. I'm going to go to Andrew. Hi, Andrew. How you doing? Good. What's up, buddy? Good. So I was uh, I was born with what they call a descended testicle. Okay. It just never develops and comes down. Yep. So they have to surgically remove it when you're you know when you're still a baby. So growing up, all I knew was I only had one. Okay. And then when you get like before puberty and all these kids are like ah oh, I got hit in the balls and I'm like balls why are you calling them plural? <laughs> yeah. What's with you the plural? I mean? you don't, yeah, because you don't know. You never seen it before. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't up, and and so the people had said this to you, and, and you eventually did. You have to ask your parents about it, or how did I you... guess it just grew up, and you just start seeing stuff, you hear stuff, and you just realize, like, and then, and then I guess, yeah, I guess maybe later on they said something about it, and I just realized, like, okay, you know what I mean. But it's never, it's never been an issue. You did know? you ever? Did you share this information with your friends that you only had one? Um, no, no, only, only. Girlfriends at the time, and now my what? You know what I mean? Andrew, can I see you in the library for a second? There's a, <laughs> you have one nut, and there are flying squirrels. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. So I was just curious if you ever got the name Old One Nut. Hey, from your, from your one buddies. nut. He's got one nut. Hey. <laughs> No, no, because nobody, nobody, nobody really knew. knew. Okay. You know? All right. Hey, Andy's got one nut. One nut, Andy. Let's call him that. One, because he's got one nut. Hey, it's a good one. <laughs> Thanks, Andrew. <laughs> Oh, one ball. <laughs> Uniball, even. They don't even do that. Yeah. Uniball, they have some, some panache. Some creativity. UB. All right, anyhow. It's a pretty nasty little piece of video, this uh, catcher for the Cardinals. How uh, fast was the ball traveling? 102 miles an hour? 102 miles an hour. Out for a month. Uh, Yadier Molina. You're out of here. Uh, so he is, uh, yeah, no kidding, man. That's nasty. All right, anyhow, thanks for your calls. Appreciate it. <laughs> Go get the nut stick. <laughs> the nut stick? <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> hey, Doc, bring your stick in yeah. here. Get hey, hey, nurse, right. bring in my stick. All right. One nut Andy's here. <laughs> All right. <laughs> the nut stick is next to the poop knife. <laughs> All right. Any, interesting. Thanks for your calls. I appreciate it. Preston and Steve. On 93.3 WMMR.